0: So the claws corner today's guest is an actor and producer. His television credits include Kojak, The White Shadow, Hill Street Blues, MacGyver, In the Heat of the Night, Simon and Simon, the Equalizer, NYPD Blue, Martial Law, ER, Law and Order, and that's just to name a few. His film credits include Brew Baker, A Soldier's Story, Quicksilver, and Purple Hearts. He is most well known for playing Cochise in the 1979 iconic film The Warriors. So without further ado, please welcome the extremely talented David D. Harris to the clause corner. David, how are you? Hi, I see you. Uh I'm doing
1: well. I can't see you because this block says it says get out. I don't know what this is, uh, but meeting is being recorded by the host. And this is all this stuff here, so I can't really see you anymore. I don't um, know what that's
0: I'm not sure because I know you and I have been having so many issues trying to get this started, but I can see you perfectly. And when it's recorded, you're going to be able to see, my fans are going to be able to see everything. So if it's not bothering you.
1: It's um, not bothering me. It's just that I, you know, I can't really see you. It's blocking out your face. It's, it just says, this meeting is being recorded by the host and participant. The account only also blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Permission one, record two, uh, two, invite the uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, then it says leave meeting or uh, got it. Should I say got it? Maybe that'll go away.
0: Yeah, try got it. I mean, what's the worst? There we go. There we go. It was probably better if you didn't have to see my face, but.
1: (laughs) No, I like seeing your face there, Rick, (laughs) buddy. I don't (laughs) want to read a bunch of, you know,
0: tag stuff. But here we go. We're ready. We're good. We are ready to go. Let's get this thing started. So as I mentioned in the intro, you must have the best agent in the business. You have done. So that was just a very, very short list of all the things that you have done. And I'm gonna get into some of my highlights, some of my favorites growing up and watching some of these shows. But before we do that, the first time I ever, I met you twice. The first time I ever met you was the 35th anniversary, Coney Island, it was a Warriors reunion. A lot of people were there and it was great because Warriors is one of my all time favorite movies. I got a chance to hang out with all the actors that were there, watch the movie with them. It was such a fun night. John Joseph from the Crow Mags was there. Sick of it all. The band was there. It was a fun time by all. And I'm, that was the first time I met you. And then again, I met you at Chiller Convention, which is New Jersey. And that's where they had, I met several of the people I couldn't make, like Deborah Van Valkenberg. I met her there. I met James Ramar. So yes. over the years, I got a chance to meet pretty much everybody that's still around and people still like to do conventions. But I got to say, you were definitely one of the friendliest, one of the nicest. And I appreciate you being on the show.
1: Thank you. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be here for you,
0: Rick. Uh, thank you. So let's go all the way back to when it all began for you acting yeah. anyway. All, all right, let's go back to the day. <laughs> 1976. Almost like it was yesterday. <laughs> Your first role was as Haywood Pat- Patterson in the TV movie Judge Horton and the Scottsboro Boys. Yes. Yes. First time on film. Wow. Well. Now, was that
1: a TV movie or was it a made-for-theater movie? It it, it was a made-for-TV movie. As you know, true story, true story. Uh, uh, We were nominated for an Emmy. Uh, The director was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, It was an amazing uh, made-for-TV movie. Worked with some wonderful actors. Worked for a great director, Fielder Cook, who directed it. Uh, It was for NBC. Uh, television. And uh, we had a great time. We shot in Alabama, uh, where it happened. And uh, it was terrific. My first time out of the gate, uh, working with a bunch of really wonderful, young, talented uh, actors. And we were, you know, we were, we were guided by an amazing director, Fielder Cook, a true story. And uh, just had a great time telling the story about what happened to these nine young kids that were falsely accused of raping these two white women. It never, ever happened. And as the years passed by before these women died, they confessed that they were never raped by these nine black kids. They were never raped, but they were railroaded. Do you know what I mean? They just were, they were told what to do. These women and the state of Alabama wanted to lynch these nine young black kids, you know, for you know raping this happened in the 30s where they were lynching black men and black boys by the dozens mm. you know what I mean uh and basically nobody cared but we had groups from the north uh the jewish defense league and our uh, lawyers the lawyers for the nine uh uh scott'sboro boys that r- represented them in court and made a defense for them to try to prove they're innocent. So we had the uh the NACP, uh, and we had a lot of uh organizations that, that were trying to defend these young kids, but it was a tragic time. The country was in a very tragic state of segregation and 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 all this just horrendous stuff that was happening, especially in all the southern states. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff still exists today. We see it as jury ma- um, mandering and, and, yes. and all kinds of trying to suppress the vote and keeping people of color, making it very difficult for people of color, uh, women, uh, uh, gay people, uh, you know, uh, to vote, uh, elderly people to vote. Uh, and it's sad. You know yes. the state of where the country still exists. You know, and 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 God willing, we you know the country will get up and correct this one day.
0: I hope so. So, in that particular case, they were acquitted. I'm hoping. Does that help uh, Well, no,
1: it took it took a bunch. It was trial after trial, but uh, the the, the character I played, Haywood Patterson, which was the most out out uh, the one that was very vocal about it. He finally was uh, released from prison, I believe, in 1961 or something. And he died a very tragic life. Most of those Scottsboro boys died a very tragic life. Yeah, You know, with drugs and alcohol. And uh, they were incarcerated for prison for a long time before they finally got released. You know, but it was very traumatic.
0: Well, by then they're no in the eye of the people they're going to always be guilty even though they were proven not guilty because and then also how are they ever ever going to have a normal life i can't imagine and they didn't
1: yeah and they didn't have any kind of a normal life because of that stigma that followed them for the rest of their lives
0: yeah that's sad well that's a pretty good start for your career the they get a role that strong and that powerful so did you always want to be an actor growing
1: up? You know, Rick, uh, you know, I I I was a, a silly guy in high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in high school. I was always jo- the jokester. I was always making jokes and making people laugh and blah, 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 blah. So I had an English teacher in high school saying, you know what? we got to find a path for you, for you to go with your life. What do you really want to do? I mean, you don't want to be a professor of, uh, you know, history of Europe or Africa or Asia, you're not going to go that way. So what do you think you want to do? You know, you're a funny guy. You make people laugh. You know, maybe you ought to try in uh, drama. And I said, what are you talking about drama? He goes, why don't you just go down to the drama department and just hang out there, look up, look at what's going on, see what you think, and just be a part of that for a while. And I did. And I went down there, and I, I, I said, you know, this is interesting. You know, I said, let me let me uh, try a scene with this acting teacher in the drama department. And I did, and I fell in love with it. I said, you know what? I think this is my, my niche. I think this is what I want to be. I think I want to be an actor. And that's where it started, in high school.
0: Well, you actually went to the High School of Performing Arts, which was the inspiration for the movie Fame. Yes. So you had a pretty good... Um, introduction to the arts being in a school like that, where they reinforced the importance of it and reinforced the part. Least a lot, I bet you most guidance counselors in other schools would be like, eh, you know what? You want something more stable. You want something that's gonna be make more money. And so I'm glad that you had that reinforcement from the teachers and the other people in school saying, that you're, "You're this is what you're good at, follow your dream. And I'm so glad that you did because you've played in so many great TV shows and movies and you, you have so many fans, so um, you made the right decision. Thank you. You always said that the best way to get your start is to go to New York City and star in plays.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think uh, New York City is the mecca of, of the arts. Uh, if you want to be a young artist, singer, dancer, painter, actor, uh, director, uh, it, you need to come to New York City. You need to get your feet wet in New York City. You need to get involved with the arts in New York City. It's the mecca of the arts, as far as I'm concerned, it's my opinion for this country. You know yeah. what I mean? There are great cities where the arts are terrific, but boots on the ground, get your feet wet, get down into the, into the trenches, for young actors, come to New York. Come to New York. Get involved with the music schools, the acting schools, the directing schools, the uh, scenic direct uh, painter schools, the choreographers. All of that. The fashion. Come here, and 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 really, you know, grit your teeth and and, and get involved and learn and study. There's so many great teachers. There's so many places to go work, you know, and and to learn from these amazing people. You know, this is the place, if you're a young artist, come, come to New York City and get your feet wet.
0: No, I I love it. And that's why I love living in Connecticut, because all I do is take the train to Grand Central. And I go, just recently, I saw American Buffalo that had um, Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Rockwell.
1: Yes. Great play- I saw it. Great play. I yes. saw it. Great play. The entire cast was amazing. Do yes. you know what I mean? The, 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 the director was amazing. And uh, I just I was sitting there going, hey, uh, Lawrence, I wish I could have been mm-hmm. in your role because Lawrence and I have done a, a, a wonderful movie together. He, he's wonderful, man. We had a lot of fun together. It was Lawrence Fishburne, uh, uh, what's this? What's this guy? You know, forgive me for being so slow. No, uh, by uh. some Jamie, Jamie Gass, she's a wonderful actress. And uh, what's the guy from uh, 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 Apollo 13?
0: Oh, Tom Hanks? No, no, Kevin no. Bacon,
1: Kevin Bacon. Uh. Kevin Bacon. Forgive me for you know, I've done so much that I. I can't sometimes remember all the names, but Kevin Bacon, yeah. it was one of his first films. And uh, a matter of fact, it's inter- interesting because, you know, he was a bartender in a little pub I used to go to all the time in, in the Upper West Side before he got his big breaks. And we used to, you know, I used to joke with him and talk, you know, we, you know, all that, you know, we're actors, were, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and blah, 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 and he went out to Cali, I went out to Cali, and we got this movie called Quicksilver, which is yeah. Kevin Bacon, Lawrence Fishburne, Ruby, uh, uh, Rudy Diaz, uh, myself, the late, great uh, Louis Anderson, yes. uh, and myself, and we had a wonderful time doing that, and Kevin is just an amazing actor, a great talent, and a wonderful human being, and a
2: good friend.
0: Well you know he has a house I'm not sure about anymore, but he lived in Connecticut. He had a house in Connecticut and one of my employees used to be friends with him because they lived not too far and they said I'm not going to be around for Thanksgiving. Why don't you and your family come over to the house, enjoy yourself. They said he was so welcoming, so friendly, and they said exactly what you said. And it's funny because they had a game years ago called the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon because he has done so much that somehow everybody is linked to Kevin Bacon by six, de- at least by six degrees because the guy has done everything, has been everywhere. And I'm so glad to hear people like that. Are such great people too. There's no ego involved down there. None
1: at all. And yeah. his wife is a terrific woman, Cedric, Akara yeah. Cedric. I mean, you know, they're just an amazing couple and, and non egotistic. He's yeah. never let the business go to his head. He's a humble man, yeah. a gentle man, and a very talented man.
0: You know, it's funny speaking of American Buffalo, what's his name? Is it Tom Waits, who played Fox? Yes. All right. Yes. I, I saw an interview with him one time and he was saying that he did American Buffalo at Al Pacino. And I said, I would I a picture that so clearly. Oh Al, yes, Yeah. Al Pacino doing the Sam Rockwell part. And I'm sure he did the part of the guy from Glee. I can't remember what his name yes. was. Yeah. But yes. yeah, I didn't realize until recently, I know David Mamet wrote it and I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of his work, but I did not realize how old American Buffalo was made. It was 1975 It was written, but I mean, sure. yeah. So yeah, you've had such an amazing career. Speaking of plays, I want to talk about one in particular right now. The year was 1977. The play was called Secret Service. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh man,
1: I tell you, I was so nervous and so scared. Here I am up there with the one, the great, the amazing Merle Street. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you, I, 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 I mean, I found myself on stage with. Meryl Streep. What has she won? Fifteen Academy Awards, or whatever least, it is. I don't remember. You know, and at least the, that. The, in the the great John Lithgow. I mean, I was on stage with giants, giants. Hey, I'm the little guy. <laughs> and I was so scared and so nervous when I got cast in it, and I go, <laughs> "Oh my God!" You know, <laughs>
2: I'm here
1: with Meryl Streep and John Lithgow. But they took me under th- their wing. And I've got the poster from the sh- from the play. And Meryl wrote a beautiful thing o- on the poster to me. Very private, but very beautiful. Yeah. And John did also. And I treasure it. And I will leave it to my daughter, my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren. Said, Look, your, your, your father was blessed and lucky enough to, to grace the stage with giants.
0: Yeah, You know, now, I now mean... That was your second year of acting, too. I mean, you yes. started in 76, so you started off with a bang, working with Yes, I did. I was very, very, very blessed to have
1: to gotten out. So many people auditioned for that role. They saw a lot of people, but I guess the director and the producers saw something in me. He said, you know, my agent called me back, David, you got the role. You know, you're in rehearsal with Merle and John and all these people. I was like... I remember going out with my friends and jumping up and down and running up the streets of New York, just yelling and screaming, going, hey, I'm going to be working with Merle Street," And, you know, she had not won a bunch of awards yet, but I knew this woman was destined to to, to just be a super, 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 super amazing actress in John. And I, I just knew it. You can tell by certain artists that they got, you know, this person... She or he is going to be go through the roof, beyond the clouds, beyond the stars, and just there it
0: is. Yeah. And you know what I love? Um, she has a house in Connecticut as well. And I know people that have met her, and they said, once again, I'm so happy to hear this, one of the most welcoming, nicest people in the world. Somebody said she walked into a grocery store with her kids. She picked up her kids. Oh, my God, you're so cute. And talked to the her child for probably about 10 minutes talked to the mother for a while and other people said the same thing. So I love hearing stories like that. That means she, like you said, a minimum of 15 Academy awards. And she's another one that's just so down, so humble and extremely talented. So you've, uh, you've got a great, great resume of working with people. Another one I want to talk about is streamers. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> what a great play. What a what a what a what a great play! I saw it down at the Public Theater, Joe Papp's Public Theater in New York City. Great play, great place for young actors to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Joe Papp is no longer with us, but he paved the way for all these amazing young writers, playwrights, and directors and actors to work. The New York City Public Theater, okay, it still it still exists. Great place to work, and uh, that's where I saw the play for the first time. And then I, I wasn't in that company, but I got a lot of offers to, you know, take it on the road and 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 do all that and I did. And what an amazing role to play that character I played. I mean, if you know the play, <laughs> you know the character I played. <laughs> uh it's just that I scared the hell out of a lot of audiences. I mean, I mean, people were coming back stay saying, you know, I hated you. I wanted to kill you. I wanted. I wanted to. And I go, but I'm just an actor. <laughs> you know? They go, well, we know that. But this character was such a villain. You know the <laughs> villains. You know, I'm. I always want to play the villains because they're the, they, like David Patrick Kelly in The Warriors.
0: Luther.
2: You know Luther.
1: the villains are always the most interesting characters. Yeah. You know, it's not the the cute pretty pretty guy or pretty it's the villains that have so much meat and so much depth and so much, oh my goodness, you, the person you love to hate. <laughs> but you can't take your eye off. <laughs> and my character and that role in that role of streamers, that guy, that that person. And I think I brought it to the T. I came with my A, my A game with that one. See yeah. what I mean? Like I said, every night people were coming backstage saying, Hey man, uh I mean I had Vietnam vet guys coming back saying, because you know, streamers just, you know, guys, these guys about Vietnam, you know, and about blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'm like, I said, yeah, man, but you know, don't choke me. Okay. So <laughs> remember, I'm an actor, okay? But yeah, man, I just wanted to frag you. I don't know if you know what fragging is. A lot of, a lot of uh the, a lot of these soldiers in Vietnam, they fragged a lot of these wannabe uh, Second Louis that just got out of West Point. It's a true story. I'm not telling you anything that's not true. But a lot of these uh, Louis were putting their guys in danger. See you know what I mean? And so they, a lot of, fragging happened. You know what I mean? This is true. This is true. You can look it up and you can go through the archives about what happened to a lot of these Second Lieutenants that were just thought they knew it all. And you had these guys who went doing you know, one and two, three tours in the NAM, you know what I mean? Saying, you don't know it all. Let me teach you, shut your mouth up. I don't care what those bars you're wearing on your shoulders. Shut up. You know, you ain't been here. You just got over here because you got some bars. You're going to try and tell me how to deal with these the, the platoon or these soldiers in the boonies out there in the jungle. You know nothing. Shut up and listen to me. I'm quite sure you saw the movie Platoon. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and there it is. It's all about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? yes. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I wish I would have done the role on Broadway. I didn't, mm-hmm. but I did it. I did get a chance to do the role around the country, and I had a great time doing it. And what tells an actor that knows that you know you did your job when people come back and go man, I want to wring your neck. <laughs> That's the bad guy.
0: That, that is definitely the best compliment. And I can think of a play, a Broadway play that I saw where something similar happened. There's a play about Carol King called Beautiful. Yes, and yes. The first, right, the first half is all about her and her husband writing hits for all these other bands. And he was a real jerk. Yeah, and it was funny because at the end of the play, he came out. And I was looking at people when he came out, people were hesitating to clap. And then they realized, oh, he's just acting. And they started giving him a standing ovation. But everybody in the room, the time I saw it, hated him so much they actually hesitated clapping when he came out on stage. And they're like, Oh, wait a minute, that's not really the guy who was married to Carol King. <laughs> that's how realistic it was. So I I love personally. Larry, I think his name is Larry Drake. He played in the show Law and Order. No, LA yes. Law. Sorry, LA Law. LA just, Law. Yeah. He was saying one of the biggest compliments he ever got was, "Oh, you're not, you're not um, challenged." <laughs> people thought he was like mentally retarded. He goes, "Oh, you're not," and he goes, "That's the biggest compliment I can get because I did my, I did my job. I made people think that that was really me." So when you're that much in the character, and audiences either hate you that much or really believe that you are who they see on, on the screen. That's a huge compliment.
1: Absolutely, because I remember uh, coming out backstage and there were people lining up to get the autographs from, from the actors, and when I walked out, they were like, boo! They were like, boy, you, you, you bastard! You, yeah, yeah, And then I go, and I would just go, hey, guys, I'm just an actor. And then they lighten up and then they start clapping. Yeah. Man, you did one hell of a performance
0: to make me hate you like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give, I'll give one last example of that because I was recently I was watching an interview with Norman Lear and they were talking about the Jeffersons. And yes. there's an episode, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where a KKK guy has a heart attack. George gives him mouth to mouth. I and saw the guy it. Guy says, yeah. I would rather have died than have you give me mouth to mouth. Norman Lear said they had to get that white actor out the back door because the audience hated him so much they actually wanted to kill him. They were waiting outside to kill him. They kept on trying to, to try and tell people exactly what you said. He's an actor playing a role. He's not really a racist. He didn't really mean that. And they just did not. Get, I think the actor was James Karen who played Poltergeist. Yes. Yes. Yep. So it's, yeah, no, I, it is. It's amazing. You know,
1: when an actor or an actress does their job, And you really do the character no matter how good he or she or he is or how horrible she or he is. When you do your job as an artist and you make that audience believe that this person, that they go, my goodness, you know, my goodness, my goodness. That is the biggest compliment to any actress or actor that could that you could get not the emmy award and the tony awards and the oscar and on and on and on and on that's when you go home and you have a cup of tea a cup of coffee or a glass of wine you go you know what lord thank you i did my job today i did my job tonight
0: and again this is so early in your career so you must have started off Obviously, you did. You started off with a bang, working with great people. People hated you so much in the very beginning that you were doing your job. But it was during that play, this is why I brought that play up, is where somebody said, hey, there's a movie named The Warriors. You should audition for that. Yeah. A matter of fact, it's funny, because I was out doing streamers. Yeah.
1: I was out doing streamers in Minneapolis. <laughs> okay, I get back to New York City, the show closed. We had a great run. Matter of fact, they wanted to extend it, but I I wanted to come back home. I you know I was like you know I'm tired of living in hotels and all this. I, I want to go home, yeah. and I told my agents I'm going to come home, and I said you know just come replace me. You know what I mean? And uh, so I I came home, and uh, my agent says you know David, uh, uh, Paramount Pictures are in town, and they're casting this movie called The Warriors. And they've got the whole cast, but they haven't got this character. Walter Hill is looking for this character of Coaches. And he's seen all these actors. He's not not fond on anybody he's seen. He, he's still looking. He's trying to find Cole Chief. We're gonna send you up for it. Now remember, this is a time before cell phones and you know, we we went the time of pagers, okay? No, no cell. There was something with those big walkie-talkie things. <laughs> yeah. remember, remember that. Like don' okay. as big as this there we go that's what that was a cell phone okay and so uh i said yeah yeah sure and they said well no, we're gonna send you up you know you you go up to paramount which was on uh now which is trump Tower oh, i don't want to mention what which is on 59th Street yeah so i, I want to send you up to so go up you're going to meet walter hill and lawrence gordon the director and the producers producer i said yeah, sure, what I got to lose, you know? So, you know, I two scenes, prepared two scenes, go up to meet Walter and Lawrence Gordon, the producer, and I go up to Paramount, and Matt, now, the whole cast is, they're all, everybody's cast already, seven, cheese. Mm-hmm. So I go up there, and I walk, and I go, I'm going, damn, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I walk in a room, and there's sitting Walter, and he's so cool, he's so cool, <laughs> he's like, so cool! And Lawrence and Lawrence has done went on to mega, mega movies, you know, billion dollar movies. Lawrence Gordon. And uh and so I walked in and I had the first scene to prepare for Walt and Lawrence. And I, you know, and and there's a reader that you read would, and uh, and I start the scene and I get halfway through the scene, and Walter—he has always has like this toothpick in his mouth, and he, you know, and he's looking at me, blah, 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 blah. and he goes, "Okay," and I didn't get through half the scene. He goes, okay, "All right," then he looked at me and he said, uh "Go down a wardrobe." I didn't know what that meant. I ran out. I said, "Well, okay, okay," and I'm walked out and I went down and I said, let me go down to the, I went down across the street to a phone booth because remember there were no cell phones. So I called my agent up and I said, Hey, the director told me to go down a wardrobe. What does that mean? You know, this is my first feature feature. And I go, and he goes, you're smuck. He got the role. All right. (laughs) I love it. I walked back in the building, went down a wardrobe, and there were all the guys. Here's Michael Beck and James Remar and Terrence and but the whole cast, all the Warriors and Dorsey and then Terry and, and uh I I go in and I I I go up and I said, listen, I'm here for wardrobe. And she goes, I meet Bobby Mannix, who did the, the costume, which is a brilliant, brilliant costume, you know, designer. She goes, try this put on this, and I said, well, and I said, I have some ideas about the guys. Okay, give me ideas." Yeah, yeah. So we we get the costume together, and I go out, and I meet the Warriors, right, in another room, and they all look at me, and I'm looking at them, and I go, okay. <laughs> and I said, uh, guys, I'm coaches," And they went, welcome to the party. All right. Welcome. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the group. You know, and they shook my hands, and we gelled from that moment on. We became the cast, the nine warriors.
0: Yeah. We became the
1: cast, well, and that's know, how. I
0: just did. watching the movie, you could tell that you guys had such a great time and you got along well. I, mean, it, oh, I we did. It, it shines through the screen. You could just see that the the chemistry between all the actors, and I love it.
1: Yeah, we 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 we, we just to this day. Yeah, forty something years later. I mean, I am the godfather to Michael Beck's, Beck's children. He's the godfather to my daughter. Wow. I, mean, that's, I mean, you know, I mean, how close can you get? We we talk <laughs> to each close. other all the time. You know, we do conventions. We talk to each other all the time. We we don't see each other every day. I mean, half the guys live on the West Coast. Half the guys live on the East Coast. You know what I mean? But we talk to each other all the time, and uh, we love each other. We see each other at comic cons. You know, and we enjoy each other's companies. We go out for dinner and we have a, you know, it's like 40 years never passed. It's like never passed. Like it just never passed. It's like we still feel like we're back in our trailers back in 1978 when we were shooting. You know, we feel like we're back in the trailer 40 something years ago. Okay, what are we going to shoot tonight? And Blah, blah, blah. What are you going to have for dinner? And what's the catering made? And is the food any good? (laughs) <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? That Actually, of I, that's funny that you bring that up because i want to talk about that there was one time that you and some of the other people i think the uh, turnbull acs were another gang that got sick of the catering oh, yeah. and you decided to go to dinner somewhere else with your color on what happened
1: next what, what happened is that you know we got tired of the catering food so we said oh, i go to a fast food place so uh we walked into a fast food place and we ordered you know i don't know if it was Whatever it was, a fast food place. So we get our, I don't I can't name names. So we we went in there, and we sit down. And we're eating our food, but apparently the Turnbull ACs had the same thing. They didn't want to eat what the caterer had, so they walked in, and we didn't have our colors on. Actually, we did. We had on our regular shirts and blah blah blah, but the Turnbull ACs walked in with their colors on. And man, these all ball headed guys, mean looking dudes. And they walked in, and everybody in the restaurant got up and walked out.
2: <laughs>
1: you know? Because they thought it was some real gang. They just got up and walked out. <laughs> and we were laughing our behinds off. We, we, we just took it as a big joke. It was so funny. Because if you look at those guys, those are some mean-looking dudes. As as Terry Michaels, vermes said, those are some desperate dudes.
0: <laughs> you look well, at them. I have to say, in the movie, besides that... One scene in the, with the orphans where you said, Why the hell are we running? That's really the only gang you ran, ran from. Nobody else you were even afraid of. But that was the besides, well, all right, there's a couple scenes with the Lizzie shooting you, but the Turnbull ACs, that was the one gang you're like, Yeah, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> e- e- even badass Ajax says, Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? Uh, we were not going <laughs> to fight these guys. There was no way. There was like 30 of them on a bus. There's only nine of us. Well, eight of us because Cleon, remember, he got a nice thing to shove up his butt. Cleon is gone by that time. he's, he's gone by the, the concrete scene. He's killed off by the wrist. So it's only the eight of us. You know what I mean? And uh, we were not going to fight those guys. There was no way the Warriors could have won that. You know what I mean? The baseball fairies is you know we they they won that fight. You know, uh, 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 Coches, Vermin, and 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 Rembrandt. Well, you know. Lizzie's didn't have much of a chance, even though
2: they had
0: guns and they couldn't shoot for shit. You know what <laughs> <you know? laughs> I was thinking but, the same thing too when I saw that movie. It's like, how can they not hit anything? They
1: didn't hit anything, you know, which was very <laughs> actually very funny.
0: You know what I mean?
1: But uh, we were not going to confront the Turnbulls, eight uh uh Turnbull ACs. Uh the orphans, we just laughed at them. Yeah. As Fox said, they're so down low on the list that nobody even counts them.
0: <laughs> well, you say I—I mentioned off the air that, and it's going to be airing soon. I interviewed Apache Ramos, who played uh, Orphan Number Two. Yes, uh, he's the one that says, "We're going to rain on you, Warriors." Yes, <laughs> such a great guy, and he had so many interesting stories. So, people, at the claws corner fans of that, you have to watch. It's coming out soon. But speaking of that scene, I want to talk about that because, okay, that was the one scene where you said yeah i think we need some uh we need not. It wasn't called hazard pay but you needed some pay extra pay because oh yeah injured. yeah oh talk yeah about
1: that. okay well the whole thing is when uh you know when Apache says we're gonna rain on you boys and uh uh what's his name the late uh actor he passed away who says um, gregory, uh
0: gregory is it grecos or Gre- yeah paul
1: greco paul, paul Greco. He says, uh, you see, Warriors, you see what you get when you mess with the orphans? And then and Patchy goes, yeah, we're going to rain on you, Warriors. And then Michael Beck Swan lights the Molotov cocktail. Yes. And he throws it, right, at the car. And the car lights up, and then we run, OK? Now, the tech guy put, I think, a little too much explosive in the car. All right, so we're running past the car The clear clear uh, clear it's called Clear Camera. Well, the hood blew up, and it blew up on top. It went so high, it blew up on the roof. It landed on top of the roof. You know, it was a third-story roof, and it blew up there. But it was just so powerful that it just knocked us off our feet. You know, it was so—and so we got hazard pay. You know what I mean? We got stunt pay because that was was not supposed to happen. So the studio gave us hazard pay because of that. You know what I mean? That was like basically stunt pay because, I mean, it was just too powerful, and so they compensated us and gave us stunt pay for that. And we were, you know, we were, we were okay with that.
0: Yeah. Well, Patchy actually said too. He he was trying to be in the scene, so he got as close to the car as he could. And I guess they forgot to take out the windshield.
1: Yeah, the windshield blew out. I mean. I mean, the camera guys were all behind plexiglass, so they could nothing could happen to them. You know what I mean? They had all this tarf and plexiglass glass around the cameras and the camera crew and all that, but the actors were exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, were exposed to the explosion. You know, it was so powerful it blew the hood off the car onto a the roof of a three story building. That's how powerful. And the windows blew out, and he was just. But you know. Thank God no one got seriously hurt. I mean, I hurt my ankle pretty bad because when I fell, I twisted it. But uh, the one that really, throughout the entire film, that really got a lot of damage was Deborah Von Volkenberg, Mercy, uh, our warriorette.
0: Yes. Well, let's talk about that because we, uh, as as I mentioned um, in the other interview, and I know you mentioned plenty of interviews I've watched you on, the come out to play was improvised um with the bottles also apache said we're gonna rain you words improvised. tell me where the line hey where'd you get that jacket i stole it they're they're looking for a woman in a pink blouse why was that line added to the movie okay
1: okay when you see uh michael and deborah running down the stairs deborah trips and fall and breaks her arm Mm -hmm. okay she breaks her arm so what do you do Okay, you, you got, she can't, you know, they took her to the hospital that night and they put a cast on her, all right? They brought it back. And the next scene, uh, when Mike meets her, they get separated. Mike meets her when he tells her, get up with your bad luck, get lost, blah, 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 blah. And he sees her again when she goes, hey, there's some guys looking for you. These guys are watching. She goes, I know they're watching me. I know they're on my ass, but now they know, now they know I know it. And yeah. he goes, Where'd you get that coat from? She goes, well, the cops are looking for a chick in a blue top. So I stole it. Well, she had that. had to be written in because she broke her arm. So they can't show a cast on her arm. Yeah. So they give her a blue coat to put on to cover the cast because she fell and broke her arm. So the studio, the writers had to cover that up. And that's how they covered it up.
0: You know what I mean? Love it. On with the show. Just Keep going. Keep going. And then there's another time. Let's talk about this. She also got hit in the head with a bat. She
1: got hit in the head with a bat and uh, they had to stitch her up.
0: <laughs> that was that was the scene, obviously, with Michael Beck, I'm guessing.
1: Yes, that's the scene with Michael Beck. Okay. You know, and so, you know, she got more injuries than anybody else. <laughs> one tough chick. That's all I have to say. That's And she was one tough chick well
0: that movie is is filled with so many iconic lines and most of the lines we talked about were improvised like um come out to
2: play hey and we're gonna
0: david
1: patrick kelly i'll tell you how he did
0: that yeah
1: uh in this neighborhood there was some guy where he lived that always said hey and he'll he'll tell you about this Yes. Hey David, every tell me going to the guy would just go, "Hey David, hi," <laughs> and, David, and David never forgot that, That's, right? I wouldn't and either. So, and so when David got on the set, that line uh come out to play. He improvised the bottles. He he snuck the bottles into the hearse. Walt didn't know about it. We know nothing about it. And David just said,
2: "What?" come out and play.
1: And his voice kept going up and up, up. <laughs> And <laughs> first you hear <laughs> and then you see the bottles come in the frame. And then you hear David,
2: <laughs> come out and
1: play. This, we're talking about a brilliant actor, a method actor, a brilliant brilliant actor, and an incredible, warm, special, humble human being. But in a maze, he played John Lennon. Yes. He played John, and he played him beautiful. He's a singer. He's a writer. He's a performer. He's he's a multifaceted human being, artist, and just a down-to-earth, Wonderful man! I cry when I think about David Patrick Kelly. What yeah, you a what, great man!
0: Yeah, well, I'm so great glad artist. he didn't get typecast because I mean I know he played in 48 Hours not too long after that, but I'm so glad that he was able to play roles like John Lennon and then also play the heavy in other movies because yeah. that is that's a great actor and I'm so glad that Walter Hill didn't say stop it and go what the hell is he doing because after hearing this. Thinking of your reaction, the Warriors' reaction, and I didn't realize at the time when I was watching it that that was you hearing it for the first time, too. You, you didn't even know he was going to do that, so you're going,
2: what the
1: hell? Look at that? the reaction. Look at our reactions. Walter just said, he don't know. after he got the closest one, David, then he went to the Warriors, and he had two cameras rolling, mm-hmm. one, one on boy. the Warriors and one on David. You know what I mean? And he, our reaction was like, what the shit? What? <laughs> what the we knew he was the, mm. the bad guys were following us but then when he did that and we heard the, the, the it, i mean it made your skin crawl it made your skin crawl and we just saw you know and, and he, he uh, we we fed off it and it worked yeah. and, and when walter popped each one of us the reaction to that it you, you see it you know what i mean it was just brilliant 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 walter hill was brilliant walter said okay i got this i got this you know we didn't know this was coming you know yeah walter didn't notice was coming just yeah talk about method acting and improvising and just being creative yeah. there it is
0: yeah i love it and it, you could definitely see the, that it's a genuine reaction when i'm watching the movie after i know that story Another line I want to talk to you about, see if it was improvised or if maybe it was planned, was Roger Hill doing, Can you dig okay, it? Okay, let me
1: tell you, Roger Hill is a Shakespearean, was a Shakespearean actor. Yeah, I can okay. tell. Okay, uh, you know, classic, you know. classically trained. And if you look at what he did, he was doing Macbeth, Hamlet. He was doing, Oh, little piece of turf. That's <laughs> That's crap, suckers. Because it's all. Oh. He was doing Hamlet. He was yes. doing Macbeth. You know what I mean? And the way Walter shot, shot him climbing up the, the pedestal and going on and his hand movements and his his face and everything. Because it's all. Oh. This guy was preaching. He was a preacher. He was Macbeth. He was Hamlet. He was Shakespeare. And his diction, his, his mannerisms, he, created that he made all the gangs fall in love with him and go you're right cyrus you yeah. know your suckers can you yeah, dig it, it suckers can you i mean he pulled everybody he pulled us in except ajax you look at ajax oh yeah he's going what the f is this guy yeah this is bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he. he,
1: he, you see, you know, he but he had us going, he had all the other warriors going. Even you see a smile on Swan's face, yes. face, always very stoic, very stoic, you know what I mean? Very, very stoic. You even saw a kind of huh, okay, maybe this guy's got some point to himself about.
0: Yeah. So no, very charismatic. You know,
1: you see all the rest of us going, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Except Ajax. Ajax looking at the rest of like, you bunch
0: of ass, you know, you bunch of what are you fools? You know, he didn't buy into it. Ajax always wanted to be war chief. He always thought everybody was a wimp. So he wasn't falling for any of it. No. But the question I have for you, was any of that improv or was that all scripted? That was
1: scripted. That was scripted. but, But Roger brought life to those lines and made it more than what I thought the writers ever thought could be brought to that. Definitely. You know, he gave it a life to it to his own. He brought it to a level that I don't even think the writers ever thought. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? They, 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 uh, I mean, you know, they they just, you know.
0: Well, what's amazing about that, too, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was that you heard he was a last-minute replacement for that role. Yes, he
1: was. They had somebody else, and something happened, and they uh, brought Roger in, and thank God they brought Roger Hill in because he just made it, just memorized. He made it immortal. He made it, he brought, he brought that scene to levels that I, I thought was his brand. Yeah. You know, just absolutely brand, yeah. you know? I mean, to this day, i walk down the street, Rick, and you know, and people say to me, can you dig it, you know? If you can count, sucker! <laughs> you know, there are iconic lines in the Warriors.
2: Oh my God! You, know,
1: icon, you know, You know, yeah. I mean, there are lines that people still say today. Yeah. I can't. I walk down the street and say, "If you can count, suckers. Or oh, the biggest line is, "Can you dig it?" <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I get it all the time. All, right. all of us get it all the time. Well, the, best the lines night. are iconic arch- arch-
0: arch- yeah i saw a midnight showing us so they have a lot of it now in connecticut they showed every so often the place was packed everybody's quoting every line everybody's having a great time screaming at the screen you know laughing at all the right parts screaming at all the right parts they knew all the lines yeah it's so much fun watching that movie and surprisingly i want to talk about this because The movie was released in theaters February 9th, 1979. It was number two at the box office for three weeks until lawsuits and gang violence began happening. And then all promotions in the film was pulled from wide release, which was a shame because I mean, really, I don't think it's the movie's fault that this happened, but for me, and I was 11 years old when the movie came out. So I I remember seeing it when HBO and the movie channel came out. And that's when I think more people started seeing it again and started a little bit of a resurgence because originally in the theaters, it got pulled too quickly. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, Paramount got nervous.
1: You know what I mean? I guess I don't know what they're worried about, but I don't know, whatever. But they pulled it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, certain cities, uh, they was saying gang violence and fights are happening in the theaters. And they were blaming it on the Warriors. And they just yanked it. And it's a shame. Because yeah. for three weeks, it was, it was a blockbuster hit and the studio was making a lot of money. You have to understand, this movie was made for very little money. You know what I mean? It was no big-budget film, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, for what they made it for and what they got back in return and what they're getting back in return nowadays for so 40 years later. You know what I mean? I'll tell you an interesting story, you know? I got a movie, and this is, the course, when everybody's doing all these Vietnam movies, you know, Parkless Now, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, And I got one, a little one, uh, didn't really go anywhere. It was called Purple Hearts. It was starring Cheryl Ladd and Ken Wall. Ken Wall was hot. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, David, and David, yeah. and David Harris. And here we are in the Philippines. Let me tell you something, Rick. I got off the plane. And I'm in the airport. And people are staring at me. Couldn't take their eyes off me. They're not staring at Cheryl Ladd and Ken Wall. We're on the same flight. And I'm like, why are these people staring at me like this? You know, and all of a sudden, people started saying, "It's the Warriors, guy for the Warriors, guy for the Warriors," and I go, "What?" And so, some guy came to me, man, do you realize that your movie, every night, is playing at downtown Manila, is two two features, the Warriors and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, every night downtown Manila I had such a fan base I'm telling you I'm shooting. Sure I had security of the yang yang <laughs> in the hotels all over the place more than Ken Long, it was all about me because I was a superstar over there because of the Warriors oh. every young person was trying to meet me and get a hold of me and the girls were going nuts you know what I mean That oh it's called Jesus You know what I mean? It was just, it was nuts. Yeah. And I had a great time. I mean, I was feeding off it. And I'm trying to shoot this movie. <laughs> and the Philippine uh, police were all over the place trying to keep the crowds back. And, you know, and, and I would just go, look, look, I want to meet the fans. And, Come on. You know what I mean? And yeah. they was signing a million autographs, taking a million pictures. And, you know, there were girls just saying, I, I-, I just want to marry you and have your baby. Wow. You know, I just want to. I just want to, you know, please just let me marry you and let me have your baby. You know, all is, I mean, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of girls. God, these beautiful women. I just want to marry you. That's all I just want to marry. I just want to have your baby. Wow. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. But because of the warriors, it was a smash hit, you know, in, in, in Asia. It was a smash hit, you know, smash it. Well, as they say, you warriors are good. Damn good. No, real good. Real the good. Be- the best. And when, war- when, when, Swan, when Swan says, the best. The, you yeah. warriors are good. Real the, good. good.
0: And Swan goes, the best. Yes. <laughs>
1: that,
0: obviously, in the Philippines, you
1: are. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Big time. Big time. Oh, and I was there for three months shooting this movie called Purple Hearts. You know, another Vietnam War story. Yeah, I've done so many movies. And, and you know, I mean. But everybody's, you know, it's all about either warriors or soldier story.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, you've done so much, and we're going to talk about that in a little while, but I still want to continue with the warriors because mm-hmm. there's so many great things about that movie. So, the novel Soul Yurik, he wrote that. What was it? Yes, he did. Yes, what, he did. What was it based on? It was based
1: on this Greek army back in the BC uh, that was trapped behind enemy lines. Uh, and they had to fight their way back behind enemy lines back to their lines.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's how Saul Yorick based the warriors on.
2: Okay. This
1: mythical story is about this Greek army that was caught, caught behind these in the Middle East, wherever it was, based on. Uh, I believe it was based in Iraq or Iran. And uh, this Greek army, they, were, they, they, they had to fight their way back from behind enemy lines back to their own lines. And that's how Saul York based the warriors.
0: Well you mentioned you filmed it for four months, but that's uh, a little bit longer. Had,
1: uh, let me let me let me let me say this. Rick. Well, that's where I was going with this. Go we, ahead. Yeah we had a basically a nine week shoot schedule, right? Nine weeks. Well we were in five and a half months. Okay. And it's because there are four different versions of the Warriors. We don't start off at at, at night. We start off in the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We go to all these different neighborhoods, but Walter kept shooting and shooting and shooting all the stuff. You know what they call the suits at the network at the studios, the suits at Powers to be. Yeah. You know, what I mean? that 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 call the shots. We call them the suits. You know what I mean? They kept liking all Walter's dailies. So they kept sending money and kept saying, shoot wow. on, shoot on. You know, they're like, wow, this is, stop this brand. You know what I mean? So nine weeks turns into four, five five and a half months. Wow.
0: Well, I'm so glad that we have YouTube because, because of YouTube, I was able to see most, if Del- not all, deleted scenes. And I know what you're talking about. In the opening scene, they actually have Sydney Poitier's daughter. Her name is yes. Pamela. Pamela. Pamela talking Poitier. to Cleon. She played Cleon's girlfriend. Yes. And that's not in the movie. No. And that's not in the movie.
1: You know, originally, uh, Swan gets caught by the the, uh, the Ducky boys, which are, are a gay gang. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that ain't in the movie. Uh, we, we, we go to Chinatown, and we have to fight the Tongs. You know what I mean? These karate guys. That's not in the movie. It's a bunch of stuff that was shot that yeah. hit the cutting room floor, as we say, that's in the vaults yeah. a of Paramount Pictures. All that stuff is in a vault of Paramount Pictures. They own all that. They have all that. Yeah. All the, the There's a few stuff scene that like you just mentioned. You can see on YouTube the scene between uh, uh, Dorsey Wright, Cleon, and Pam Portier, his girlfriend. Yes. You know, in the, the scene where he's talking to us on a boardwalk. We're going and blah, 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 blah. And Ajax, Kojak, you know, heavy muscle and, you know, on and on and on. You know what I mean? Rembrandt, you got the stuff, mocked, mocked, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Assigning us who's going to do what? Uh, Swan, second in command. You know what I mean? War Chief, second in command. You know what I mean? And on and on and on. And then all these scenes that we shoot in the daytime, you know what I mean? That's never in a movie.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: it's just never in a movie.
0: Yeah, I mean probably because I only know the edited version. I love that version, and but I'm so glad now with the advent of first it was VHS, Beta, VHS, DVD, now streaming and YouTube, you can see what they had and maybe they'll put it on a DVD, all the deleted scenes. So we're able to see what happened, what was cut out. But I love the fact that with the movie was so streamlined and it was right to the point. Starts off going to the meeting. Cause I know there's a scene, maybe you just talked about it where they're looking for the meeting and they're like, where the hell is this place? We don't know where it is. I saw that scene too, where they're, uh, you're looking for the meeting. Then they look up and there's everybody in the conclave. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Let's talk about that because as you just mentioned, it went way over budget. So I guess there was a time where the uh, studio said, Whoa, what the hell is going on? And the assistant director was fired.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he was fired. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. He was a nice guy, but, uh, I think the studio he wasn't up to par and they brought in a uh, AD from California. that was very, very sharp. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, on his piece he was, you know, Ad from California, he worked on a lot of films, and uh, and they, they brought him in. and He started getting the the gears in on on the right track, and and saying, "Look, you know, this has to be shot. You know, we can't do. You know, we can't go over, but we can't go over budget. We can't. We, you know, we have to stick to blah blah blah." What ads do? They whisper in the director's ear, like, "Look, you know, you know, we don't have another, you know." Twenty-two thousand dollars a shoot, <laughs> you know. So you, you gotta, you gotta get it, you gotta get it done now. You know what I mean? You, we can't come back tomorrow night at this location. You know what I mean? To shoot it all over again, you know, get it done. And that's what ADs do. And they, 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 they're on top of the crew. You know, make sure you have your cameras where they're supposed to be. You know, the actors are in place. The actors are ready. The lighting is ready. You know, we can't stop for four hours for the the DP to relight everything, you know what I mean? That costs, everything costs money. Everything, when you make a movie, everything, it costs money. Every second you do, there's a dollar sign ringing. You know what I mean? So a great AD comes and goes, listen, I gotta watch the dollar signs. I gotta watch the money. I gotta watch, look, we can't afford another $43,000 because the lighting is not quite right. So we gotta come back and do it all over again. Do you know what I mean? That's another four and because the suits back at Paramount are going, you just cost us another $43, forty-three thousand wow. dollars You know, you're there to watch our backs. You know, you're there to whisper in the director's ear, the DP's ear, the actor's ear, the crew's ear, and everybody else, look, it has to go. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are we ready? Everything set. Cameras ready. Actors set. Go. You know what I mean? And that's what ADs do. Good ADs do. You know, and that's what happened. Oh. So the first guy got fired and they brought in some guy from California that said, hey, I'm not here to play
0: games. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Well, part of the money of the budget went to the location manager because they had to pay the gangs off. Oh yeah, listen. That's what they.
1: I mean, that's what location managers do. They come in there with a wad of money, because uh, listen, we we got kicked out of areas. Okay, yeah. we got kicked out of uh, areas where uh, the the local gang said, "Hey, hey, it, you don't. Know, hey, this ain't happen. You know what I mean? You don't know, unless you blah blah blah. Boom, 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 bam, bam, bam. So here comes a location manager with a wad full of money going." To the local gang guy, hey man, look, hey, you know, let me grease your palm,
2: and
1: let, and let let us do this scene here, okay? Don't don't throw us out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they come in there with a bag full of money, and they grease the right palms, and so you're able to shoot. Yeah. You mean know that? I mean, I mean it's, you know, listen, man, it's business. It's don't take it personal. It's business. Remember the Godfather? Oh yeah. Don't take it personal. It's business. You know what I mean? You know, that's one of the classic lines from the Godfather. Which Don't take this very true.
0: Yep. It's business. Yep. You know what I mean? I think there was only you know? one time, and it was in Spanish Harlem, when the gang said, no, you got to leave. And, and believe me, we <laughs> packed up
1: and we left. They said, say, <laughs> we had to pack up all the trucks, all the set, pack everything back in the, the trucks in the set. And we had to go and find another location. That happened. But see, that costs us the studio money. You that know what I mean? <laughs> <that> <laughs> you know what I mean? But they weren't having it. They said, no, he ain't shooting here. You know? What I mean? yeah. And there's no way we could have got around it because they would have they would have done shit that would, you know, stuff that would have no. We yeah. we couldn't have been able to
0: shoot. Well, another thing too is I guess the Hells Angels had a problem with the uh, Warriors Wing of Death Skull.
1: Yes, it was their logo. They had it patent or whatever you call it. And uh so negotiations came again, the uh the uh manager you know uh yeah. had to de- deal with the angels and <laughs> make it right that we were able to have that on our vest and all that and we got their blessing i guess or whatever you know yeah. what I mean we we're able to go on with that and uh a few of the angels were hired as our bodyguards and worked on the film yep. personal security and uh, we moved on. I think
0: you know, there's but, one in particular. His name was Mike the Bike. He was an extra. Mike director. the Bike, the Mike the Bike
1: who had his thumb co- cut off when he's repairing his bike or something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he 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 was part of the movie uh, from the first third all the way to the end. You know, wow. he he was he was on set and he hey, he had a job. <laughs> Mike the Bike, he had a job. You know. He, but he was the reason why we were able, I, I guess, were able to use that logo and and, and and without a problem from the angels.
0: What was the percentage in the conclave scene of actors versus real games? Uh, Sylvia Faye,
1: who was the extra casting, actually went into a lot of the hoods, South Bronx, East Harlem, Harlem, uh, Low East Side. And it was her and her team that went and hired local uh, youth organizations saying, look, we're going to shoot this movie. We, we we need people for the conclave scene, and we're willing to pay. They got X amount of dollars and a box lunch, you know what I mean, to, to, to come there. I think we, it took us like five, four or five nights to shoot that scene, the conclave scene. And the way they kept them coming back is they had raffles for color TVs and, and all kinds <laughs> of stuff to keep these guys coming back, you know me. what I mean, each night. And they would come back because, you know, the color TV back in those days was a big deal, you know, or boom box and, you know, other incentives to keep these kids to come back. And they got, I don't know what they got paid each night. And they got a box lunch, you know what I mean, an apple sandwich and a soda and a piece of pie or something, you know, and, and raffle tickets. And whoever won, they would get this big color TV or a big boombox or, you know. This kind of stuff. And so these young kids, they came back. But we had a lot of real gang members in that scene. You know what I mean? We had a lot of real gang members. But, you know, they had a lot of ADs and second ADs and third ADs that would kind of smooth them over and say, look, you know, man, we need you guys to really cooperate. And, you know, when the director says this, you got to go this way. Because, you know, it was chaos when everybody, when Cyrus gets shot. Everybody's running and you know, blah blah, and then and the cops come and it gets chaotic, you know. And Cleon gets killed when Luther says, The
2: warriors did it, the warriors did
1: it, you know, and they they killed Cleon, but they 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 had it orchestrated, they had uh, you know, a bunch of like I said, second and third and fourth ADs in the crowd, keeping people cool and telling them, here what you got to do is blah, blah, blah. And remember that color TV. Remember that boombox. Remember this, you know, there's uh, $300, that ticket that can win $300 in cash
0: tonight. You know, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, they kept them happy. That's good. Yeah, kept them happy and kept them coming. They there was little... one gang in particular that wasn't happy. Let's talk about Homicide Incorporated.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, when we first got there, we were shooting on the boardwalk. Right, what happened is that the art uh, department went there before we shot that scene in the daytime on the boardwalk. They wouldn't paint paint over Homicide Incorporated and put the Warriors up on there.
2: Uh-huh. Right,
1: so that didn't make the Homicide Incorporated gang very happy. They said, "How, how you guys got some ner- you people? What you know what?" So again, here comes where the money comes in. You yes. know what I mean? Where you grease the palm. You know what I mean? Yep. They had to deal with the leader of the homicide incorporated. Hey, look, man, look, uh, we you know it's a film, and once once we're finished, we will erase this and paint back homicide. Incorporated. I love it. You know what I mean? And and they it was negotiations again. You grease the palm. Money talks and bullshit walks. You know what exactly. I mean? You yep. know what I mean? And, you know, don't take it personal. It's business. You know what I mean? You know, and so that's how the studio got away with that. You know what I mean? Well, because we'll just- they, came, they came up to us, the real deal, saying, who are you? Who are you punks? You know? call us punks. <laughs> yep. Who are you? A bunch of Hollywood. What? You know, what a real deal, man. That word homicide, what do you think that means? You know? <laughs> you know? We're not called, you know, the Warriors. We're called Homicide Incorporated. Okay, you know, you know what that means. You mean what what that means and what we will do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So again, the guys with the money comes in, and you grease the palm. You chill things out. You calm things down. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's how
0: I went. So okay. I love this story. Was, I guess, that you. You, Dorsey, and a couple other people were in the trailer, and you heard the knock on the door. Who's who's head of the Warriors? Who's head of the Warriors? And oh yeah, oh Leon, yeah. Me, pointed to the art department. Said those guys down there.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. And it, you know, I mean, it was amazing because I wasn't going out of trailer. I was like, hey man, I'm an actor. I'm not here to to uh, negotiate with the real deal guys. You know what I mean? Oh, There's no way. You know what I mean? Because those guys meant business. They were not playing around. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was one neighborhood that we went in at night, and uh, the gang members came out and said, OK, you guys are OK. But get the colors off. You know, when you're not filming, no colors. You don't walk around this neighborhood. You don't do anything. When you're not shooting, take the colors off and put regular shirts on. And we did. We, we respected their wishes. You know, yeah. we did. we did not. You know, once we were not shooting, for like lunch or dinner whatever those vests went off and came on regular shirts they said just take them off you know for lunch and dinner when you're shooting you got our permission because we know you're shooting you're making the movie but once you stop shooting get rid of the vest take them off you don't you don't wear them in our neighborhood
0: it's almost like the orphans Go with civilians, or I have to come down on you.
1: Right. You got it, Rick. There it is. You know what I mean? Take off, remember? Take off your colors. Yep. And Swan goes, we don't do that. You <laughs> If you don't, we got to come down on you. Yep. we don't do that. We, we, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But wow. basically, that's what the real gangs are saying. Take wow. them off. Take them off. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah. I, you went through a lot to make this movie. Speaking of gangs, did you ever see the documentary called The Rubble Kings?
1: Yes, I did. And I spoke with the person that did that, did that. yes.
0: Yeah, because it's, um, for people who don't know, it's a documentary about gangs and it's very similar to the Warriors. It's a real life gang system. And they said, you know what? It was basically like a Cyrus said, we gotta get along, get along, we have to get together. And somebody actually got killed trying to go out there and preach that. And his mother said, you're all about peace. That's what my son was for, Honor it So then R&B is what brought them all together, music. They started forming bands, they started having parties. Yeah. Yes. uh, So it's a great documentary, it's called The Rebel Kings. I saw it on YouTube and I highly recommend it.
1: Yes, yes, I do too.
0: Now, in 2005, there was definitely a resurgence in the Warriors due to the video game being released.
1: Yes, 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 Rick. Rockstar, which is a really wonderful company, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto, they've done some great video, video games. And uh, they did the Warriors, and they brought us in to actually do the voices. You know what I mean not everyone, because uh, I mean they had some problems with Roger and David. I think they sued because they were using their voices without permission or whatever. That's a whole other thing. But uh, yeah, but basically, you know, uh, you know, I did my voice, and and the other guys did their voices. But there were a few actors that. didn't didn't want to do, you know, go and record their voices for the uh, video game. But the video game, I'm very proud of. I think it's a great game. I don't know if you ever played it or looked at it or played it. Yeah, I have. You know, it's a wonderful game. I happily think that my character is the best character in the game. You know, you got to go through all the levels, but I think that that they did a great job with Cochise. I'm very proud of it. And uh, I love the game and uh, kids uh, are loving the game. It's amazing. Uh, you know, every Halloween on all these college campuses, and you know, all, not only this country, all around the world, people dress, dress up, especially as the baseball furies. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a whole cult as it is the baseball furies, the warriors, the orphans, the Turnbull AC, the Lizzie's, the hi hats. People dress up as these gangs on Halloween. Do you mean? Uh, uh, there's a show called Chiller, which you were at, yes. and so many people come dressed up as the Warriors, and especially the baseball, because they're the most. Uh, uh, I mean, Walter's vision of that game was
0: just amazing. I love that. I game. mean, yeah.
1: if I don't know if you ever saw a movie called Clockwork Orange.
0: Love that movie. Now, okay, I met him too.
1: Okay, great actor, great, great, wonderful actor. But that whole costume stuff what they did. The troops, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh and Walter's vision of 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 the baseball furies, no one has ever done anything like that. See you know what I mean? With the the makeup and the the Yankee outfits and the baseball bats and that fight in the in the park. I mean, that's nothing but the seven samurais. Yes. Look at It's nothing but the seven samurais. Instead of swords, you got baseball bats. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean and, 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 and Ajax classic line. I'll I'll take that bat and shove it up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Classic line.
2: Classic. No, another I mean, one. There's
1: so many classic lines in that movie. Classic line. I mean, but 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 the whole thing when when they come out the dugout, yes, and the warriors see them. What? The I mean, fuck? it's mesmerizing when you look at that and they're swinging the bat and they're coming out the dugout. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And the warriors see them and then uh swan goes maybe you ought to take off and then Ajax goes yeah right (laughs) i mean walter's vision of that at night and that makeup and that you know how brilliant can you get how brilliant
0: can you get you know and that's all walter i remember back in the late 70s early 80s when i used to watch it on hbo and movie channel that was the one scene I could not wait for when I was 11, 12 years old. I was like, there they are, my favorite guy to baseball. I love that scene. And It's just like, yeah, like you said, it's just the, his, his vision of it. And I never even put together the two things that you just said. One, the seven Samurais, and two, Clockwork Orange. But now, being much older and seeing the movie so many different times in a different light, I definitely see what you're talking about. And I love Walter's vision of that. It's such a as the whole movie has it's such a memorable scene but that it, the the look the feel the it, it's great it's i mean it's just classic it's just so classic yes you yep. know what I mean? Yes. I felt like a
1: wimp when we shot the Lizzie scene. Behind that, I, you know, <laughs> I felt like a wimp. You know what though? A bunch of wimps, Ajax. is A bunch of wimps.
0: wimp. <laughs> like you're that. getting tired. Uh, you know what though? But if I were you, though, I'd be going with the Lizzies myself. It's like, eh, you know what? You guys take off. I'll be with these uh, women over here. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. A little, a little break in the action. Remember? Oh yeah. A little break in the action. <laughs>
1: Coaches knew, knew what it was all about. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know
1: what I mean? Take it easy. Man, we're running fighting all night. You kidding me? These beautiful girls, hey, come on, you nuts. You know, Paul Rembrandt. Hey, maybe guys, we ought to be getting out of here. You know, know, you know come <laughs> on, chill out. Chill yeah. out, man. we little break in the action, man. These pretty, pretty girls. We're gonna do something here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that scene. I mean, it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. The bit the fight with the baseball furies. Yeah, I mean, it's just so classic, iconic, and the way Walter shot it and the way uh Andy Laszlo, God rest his soul, the DP who lit it was just brilliant, You know, just brain. The whole thing, Walter created that whole thing, wetting down the streets with that whole sheen on the street. Walter yeah. did all created all that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Andy Laszlo, the DP who lit the movie, created all that. The way uh-huh. all the stuff in the park how the park was lit with the baseball series. I mean, Andy was just brain. He did uh Shogun. Okay. He lit Shogun. He lit Shogun. Okay. If you look at Shogun, how brilliant that is—the look of that—that that was Andy Laszlo.
0: Ah, you know what? I didn't know he did that, but I could definitely see it's the, the same type of works, the, the same artist. Yeah,
1: you can see it. You can see it in yep. Shogun. Yep. Yep. You go back and look at Shogun, which was a brilliant mini mini series. Or Richard Chamberlain, whom I worked with at the Public Theater, me and Tom McKitterick. Who I did a play with Richard, at, uh, Richard Chamberlain at the public. I mean, I get this stuff that is not even on my IMDb. You know, uh, you know, so much stuff is
0: just not even there. Well, I, I, you know what? I want to go one more question about the Warriors, but I want to get into that because off the air, you mentioned something and I was really intrigued. I did not know this. So before we talk about that, I want to talk about Tony Scott and the reboot of the Warriors.
1: Yes. Well, as we know, Tony lost his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, un- unfortunately, he was a you know, brain- director Wrigley Scott's bro- uh, brother. Top but he was he was going to do a remake of the Warriors. But the only thing that he didn't want any of the original Warriors because we were too old. Yeah, uh-huh. he was going to reboot it, and uh, and uh, I think it was going to be shot in L.A. I kind of my personal opinion is like, how do you shoot the Warriors in L.A. I mean, it's an iconic New York City exactly. setting back in the 70s. How do you create that in Los Angeles? Yeah. You know, there's no subways in Los Angeles. There's no no look of the city.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, you can maybe go to San Francisco, Francisco somewhere, but New York is New York. You can't create recreate New York. You can't recreate the streets of New York. You can't recreate the subway system. That's how, yeah. you know? I mean, the subway system doesn't look the way it is anymore because all the great graffiti artists are gone. All the great graffiti in the city is gone. Yeah. The subways are snow white. 42nd Street is Times Square. At Times Square, 42nd Street is Disneyland. Yeah. Back in the day with all the prostitutes and pimps and, and the porno houses and the drug dealers and everything else, that's all gone, man. That's all gone, you know? City doesn't look like that anymore. Times Square is not like the subway system, there's no graffiti, it's nothing. You. you can't create that that's all gone. No, no, you know what I mean? you, you can't, can't create it's New history, York it. City. You can't create New York City in Los Angeles. I don't care what anybody says, you know. But I mean, I don't know what his virgin was going to be, but it didn't happen because he passed away. You know, and then it it all died. And my personal opinion. You you know the old saying, Rick, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? You cannot create The Godfather over again. There are certain movies leave alone. A lot of remakes are terrible, are terrible. You know what I mean? This is an iconic film shot in a different time warp. Do you know what I mean? And you leave it alone, leave it alone. You can't create these characters again. You can't create the look of them. You can't create that back what happened in 19 in the 70s. Yeah. You know, you create, you can't create Studio 54 anymore. You can't create, you know, disco. You can't create John Travolta doing, you know, you, know, you can't create any of that no more. Yeah. You know, Saturday night. You can
0: that's all gone, man. Yeah. You know, it's gone. You know, you can't create that anymore. You know, I love watching the movies of the 70s. I'll give you some examples. The Warriors, Taxi Driver, and After yes. an Hours. Those three movies capture the look, the essence, the feel of 70s New York. I love those three movies. Those are three examples that I could think of. I'm sure there's plenty more. But yeah, you're right. If they made a movie now, it would be so desensitized. And now, unfortunately, it would be too woke, too politically correct. And it's just, I don't know, I think that Leave it alone. It's not broke. It's a classic, iconic movie, just like that. Jaws. I mean, I can think of so many other movies that just please don't even try to reboot or remake or reimagine. Just let the original sit there and be the classic that it is.
1: Absolutely. And and Rick, I totally completely agree with you. As I always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. Yeah. You know, leave it alone. Just don't, don't don't try to do it no matter how the good intentions and all of this and all of that it just no you know what i mean i mean i can't see anyone trying to go behind francis ford coppola and try to do a remake of the godfather that'd be no. stupid you know what i mean that would be absolutely stupid or remake try to remake jaws it'd be laughable you know what i mean
2: yeah,
1: uh, yeah. certainly it would just be laughable you know we just what do you what do you why why would you do this you know why would you
0: but anyway, you know, so. Be- it's all about money. Unfortunately, with studios now, they can really care less. Actually, somebody made a great comment. They basically buy the name when they do these reboots. They need to care less about the content. They just want people in the theater make their money and get the hell out. They can really care. I mean, I'm sure there are people that care about the quality of the work. I'm talking about some of the studio heads. They're They're in it to make the money. And so the Warriors, oh my God, that's a classic movie. People are going to see that name on the marquee and go check it out. Yeah, but then they're going to say, this sucks, and then they're gonna say, "Well, who cares?" Next week, there's gonna be another movie coming in. So, unfortunately, I think that some of these studio heads just go by the name and could care less what is actually yeah. on the screen. What they think will be profitable, what they yeah, think exactly. that
1: well, you know, we can we can sell this and we can commercialize it and yeah. we can hype it, and people, you know, back when the original people that saw the Warriors 40 years ago will come back in the theater to see it. You know what I mean? Or this new crowd, the new generation, and they—that's how they think. You know what I mean? You these these people that, that market movies and market marketing companies and all this sort of stuff, and they put a lot of money into all this st- sort of stuff, and think that well, you know, we d- do it this way, we can probably make you know x amount of hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know, you know? Yeah, it's I, all I, about the dollars, you know. As, as I don't, yeah, a movie. Another classic movie, Casino, with yes. De Niro and Joe Pesci, you know, when Joe Pesci the dollars is always about the dollars. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love, love. The, the dollars, it's always about the dollars. What is the old boss's back? You know, it's about the dollars, always about the dollars. <laughs> you
0: know, yeah. well, I, when I heard Tony Scott's name attached to it, I'm a I was a huge fan of Tony Scott. I loved The Last Boy Scout. I love Top Gun. I would think, but I just there's some things. That, I don't care who the director is, who the producer is. Don't touch it. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But I was when I heard Tony Scott was attached. Maybe you were thinking about it. I said he might be able to. But when you just, what you just told me, there's no way. Putting it in LA in this new era, no. It's no. It, it's past. No. It. Let the Warriors be. But you, I want to talk about this because uh, Warriors is just one of many, many, many things you've done. Off the air, you mentioned two names I want to talk about. One is Mary Tyler Moore. The other one is Betty Davis.
1: Yeah. Uh, working with Mary was just a bridge. She was such a sweetheart, such a kind person, and uh, a lovable person, super talented. I mean, I, I grew up watching the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. You know, who can then? The hat flies in the sky. I mean, come on. Yeah. And Ted and, you know what I mean? And oh, yeah, Lou all those classic characters. <laughs> you know, well, I, I grew do. up on that stuff. <laughs> you and me both. And, and and then when I found out, my god, I got cast in Whose Life Is Anyway? I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to work with Mary. I, I remember telling my mom, he goes, you're going to be working with Mary? She's a big fan of Mary Tyler Moore. And my brothers and sisters and my friends are like, what? I said I'm going to be on Broadway with Mary Tyler Moore guys, <laughs> and everybody. when I was trying to get tickets for my family and friends. Everybody wanted to come see the play, and uh, she had all these wonderful friends of ours from Hollywood that come, that came, flew into California to see her. And I met these, you know, Rock Hudson. I could, all these, all these names and people. I was just enchanted by, and uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience to work with Mary. She was very. Uh, She taught me many things uh, about acting because I kept my mouth shut when I worked with Meryl and John, all these guys. I I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to learn from these people. So I would just observe and saw what they were doing when they were acting, do you know what I mean? And I said, don't ever forget this, David. See what what she or he's doing. Don't ever forget this, do you know what I mean? And I learned so many things. And then when I met Betty Davis. I mean, I did. I just dropped. It. I mean, here's I mean, you know, come on. I mean, she was quite on in her age, and she wasn't quite sharp. And I mean, she was. You know, I mean, she's very she an old lady. Yeah. You know, but uh, she was. She was very nice, and she was very nice to me. And you know, I said, you know, Miss Davis is such an honor, an honor to hold your hand and to say hi to you and speak with you and i mean you're a living legend you're you're part of something that can never be replaced and she went
2: thank you thank you i love
1: it i said, said miss davis can i give you a hug yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i'm holding on to this living legend <laughs> I mean, like you know i mean yeah. I, you know, I said Ms. Davis, I've I watched so many of your films, you know, and uh, and, and I, I mean, I I can't even name one that I like the most. I mean, you were so brilliant in everything you've done. Do you know what I mean, and everyone that was able, that were blessed to work with you, was so blessed and so lucky. She goes,
2: I, I, I I'm
1: just an actress. <laughs> you know, I That's love
0: hearing that story because. Do you ever see the movie Burn Offerings? Yes, yes, yes. With Karen Black and Oliver uh, Reed. Yeah, Oliver Reed. So I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I met the the son at Chiller, and mm-hmm. you hear so many horror stories about the old days of Betty Davis. So I said, and he said, she was the best. I was twelve years old. She'd come into my hotel room, play checkers and chess with me. I loved her. And she, he said exactly the same thing you did. She was so down there, so friendly because. Maybe in her heyday she had some, you know, diva issues. But she is a phenomenal actress, and I love—if not all—I love most of her movies. She plays the best bitch. <laughs> talk about, oh yeah. Play, oh yeah. Talk about hating a character. I love watching her in movies. I'm like, I eat her, and she's doing her job. She does it well.
1: Yes, I mean, I one of our one of our movies. That's one of my favorite. Whatever happened to Baby Jane?
0: Yes, I was going to mention mean? that.
1: I mean, you know I mean, the, the the lady was just phenomenal. she was just phenomenal. I didn't know what she was like back in the when she started in the yeah. late 20s and 30s and 40s and 50, I mean, she went back 70 generations you know exactly what I mean? uh but all I know what I could see on film you know what I mean mm-hmm. and and what the characters, the diversity of characters that she played you know what I mean? And yes, she was a diva. No question. She invented that word. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I mean, she was the best of the best. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I remember when I met Catherine Hepburn. I Was like, oh my god! <laughs> you know, I, mean, wow. I mean, I was like, oh, I mean, we, I, I I couldn't talk. <laughs> you know? you and I good. never, I never got to meet. Uh, I met Sidney Poitier. Wow, he came to see me. I did a play at the, at the Public Theater. And uh with Ruby D, right? And uh I was opposite Ruby D and Sydney Poitier, Poitier and Ozzy Davis came. Ah and 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 I I, I mean <laughs> it came backstage and I remember looking into Sydney's eyes. And he said, I love what you did, <laughs> young actor. Keep doing what you do, young actor. You, well, and I, that's said, so well, great Poitier, of him. I said, Mr. Portier, thank you. It's an honor. And then Ozzy came up to me and goes, son, you're doing well. <laughs> you know, you're opposite my wife. And I said, yes. <laughs> he goes, you're doing well.
2: <laughs> I, you know, Rick, I mean, come
0: on. You know what I mean? You so many great stories. I love this. You, you met everybody and worked with everybody. You know what I like? Ozzie Davis has obviously done so much, but one of my favorites is towards the end of his career, a movie called Bubba Hotep. Yes. Um, yes. Where there's an Elvis and Ozzie Davis plays JFK, and they're fighting a mummy. It's hilarious. It's done by Don Coscarelli, who did Beastmaster and Phantasm, for the people who don't know what I'm talking about. Watching. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. But Ozzy Dave, so yeah, Ozzy Dave, Sydney. I want to get back to Mary Tyler Moore because one of my favorite roles with her is a movie with Donald Sutherland and Timothy Hunt called Ordinary People. Yes. Yes. And it was directed by Robert Redford, who you'd
1: worked with. It was right after I was working with him. And God rest his soul, we just lost Yafit Koto. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you a, a quick story. I remember back in the, uh, when I was in acting school, I went to see a play called The Great White Hope. Mm-hmm. It was starring James Earl Jones as Jack Jefferson, the fighter. And I went I went to see the play and I waited backstage and he came and I said, Mr. Jones, thank you for allowing me to see such a brilliant performance. And he goes, are you an actor? And I went, yes, Mr. Jones. He goes, keep doing what you're doing and be true to all of your characters. I said thank you Mr. Jones. And uh how do I get off on that? Um
0: cuz we were talking about all the different people you worked with and you we were talking about Robert Redford.
1: Yeah, Robert Redford we uh ordinary people. Yeah. We we were doing a movie called Brew Baker. Yes. Right. And, and I was working with Robert Redford and, and Yafit Koto and a bunch of really good actors.
0: Well, let me, let me, before I, I'm going to say, I have them written down because I just watched a movie recently. You got Morgan Freeman, David Keith, Murray Hamilton played the mayor in Jaws and one of my all-time favorites, Joe Spinell from maniac.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I tell you, Joe and I got to be really very close friends. God rest his soul. Uh, I, I mean, I got to be really good friends with Yafit. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, and, and Refit, cool, but Refit was kind of off to himself. And I remember I shot my scene, the big whipping scene. I remember the I big do. beating scene yeah. where they, they beat this kid for no reason at all to make an example out of him. And how Ro- uh, Stuart Rosenberg shot the scene and shot the pops on each actor watching me get beat. And when he popped Robert Redford and all these people watching this, you know what I mean? And uh, I remember one of the greatest compliments I got as an actor, is a Redford came up to me after we shot it. He goes, you know what? That was some of the best acting I ever saw in my life. Wow. It's Robert Redford, all right? And uh, Stuart Rosenberg said, kid, you nailed it. You know what I mean? Kid, he just looked at me, kid, you nailed it. You know what I mean? And all my fellow actors saying, well, I mean, David Keats was saying, man, I just wanted to vomit after watching that. Watching what, you know what I mean? You know, and it it was no real whip or anything. It was, you know, know, but I had to do an acting job. I had to do an acting job, you know, with the pain or horror, all of that, and, and, and make everyone watching it, go what what horror and refit coming in to see what happens in this prison and he goes man beautiful acting job and you help my character knowing that what goes on in this prison see what he mean you know what he mean? Uh, uh, uh after we shot i mean all the extras everybody came said man how did you do that how did you how did you how did you do that it was an intense scene. I said, it's it just, I'm an actor. You know, what, what can I say? You know, you know, and Yaffe just grabbed me and said, boy, eh, I'll buy you a drink tonight. That was good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, if, if you ever stop, decide to stop acting, go into impressions. You do the best impression. You're better than Rich Little. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I, I mean, I mean, it was amazing. And then, Reffert went on after Brubaker to do Ordinary People. I love that mean? movie. And I, wish, I thought it was wonderful. I thought he did a great directorial job. I thought Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland, I the whole entire cast was brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, there's also another person in that movie that I didn't mention, but he also worked with you in The Warriors, Conrad Sheehan. Yeah, Conrad Sheehan is uh, yeah, brilliant. One. Yeah, he, actually, you know, it's so funny because
1: he was, we were shooting the Warriors simultaneously as they were shooting something called the Wanderers with Ken yeah. Walk. Okay. WB. That I went on to do, you know, Purple Horsewood and he played one of the Ducky boys in, uh, and, 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 and that. And then he was, of course, he was the leader of the punks in the Warriors mm-hmm. on the roller skates. Yes. Did he mean? And, uh, so very, 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 very interesting, uh, That whole scene, because we're shooting the Warriors and the Wanderers. Of course, the Wanderers never took off like the Warriors. It never it got what the Warriors is an international cult classic, where the Wanderers is not. Do you mean
0: it's a great movie, but no cult classic.
1: No, 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 no. No no one talks about that film like they talk about the Warriors. You know, I mean the Warriors is an international cult classic.
0: The one thing I didn't realize about Conrad, besides being the leader of the punks, I didn't realize that he was also a stuntman.
1: Oh yeah, he was a a very wonderful stuntman. He did a lot of stunts, and uh, he's not a very big man. He's only like five foot five, you know. And uh, one of the stuntmen on uh, the Warriors, he's in he's in a bathroom scene where we fight the punks in a bathroom. He did a stunt and he lost his life. After after the Warriors, he he did a stunt where he fell off of. Five-story building into a what they call the stunt bags, but apparently the stunt bag inflated, didn't inflate, inflated, didn't the, the pressure was not where it was supposed to be, and all of his intestines were crushed or something like that's what I heard, and oh he God. lost, his life. he lost his life. Wow! But uh, working with uh, on Brew was a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, good movie Stuart Rosenberg did a good job working with David Keith who did a bunch of stuff went on to do a bunch of stuff uh what, what was amazing uh I went on to do after that I went on to do a mini series called North and South yes and I I just had a blast And we shot that for like 10 months and uh I mean I got to be very close with Patrick Patrick Swayze He's an amazing man it's just an amazing. Come on,
0: come no, I want to interrupt you for a second. I want to, because usually when somebody dies, there's always going to be dirt in somebody. Patrick Swayze is one of the only people I can think of in the paparazzi. I have never heard one negative thing about him after he died. He just seemed like a nice guy, very talented actor. Yes. I mean,
1: I didn't know any dirt about the, the man. He was just uh, yeah very friendly to all the the fans that would uh, i mean all the extras and all the people that would come on the set wanting to meet him you know what i mean after dirty dancing you know what i mean which was a phenomenal hit as we all know you know what i mean and i mean girls are coming from everywhere to just come to the set to say hi <laughs> That's crazy i mean i mean he was one of the biggest stars in the world yeah and, uh and I worked with phenomenal a- actors on that movie. Uh, you know, Christy Alley, which was so friendly and so wonderful. I uh, just, just so many uh, cast, just great cast
0: well, for us. But I, I wrote down, well, I was going to say I wrote down some of them. There was the list was so long, but as you mentioned, Kirsty Alley, David Carradine, Patrick Swayze, as you mentioned, Johnny Cash, Hal Holbrook, Morgan Fairchild, Robert Guillaume. Gene Kelly, Robert Mitchum, Elizabeth Taylor, Forrest Whitaker, and even Carrie Guffey, because uh, at that time, Close Encounters was the big movie in 77. So he was played Barry Guyler, the small, yep. the little kid. So I mean, that was just a partialist. My, actually, my hand cramped up in the middle of writing all the people in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was phenomenal meeting all those people. And uh, I wasn't in scenes with all of them. But just being around the set and talking to them and having lunch with them. And uh I mean, I remember meeting Gene Kelly the first time I met him, <laughs> Michael Bet did a movie called Doom.
0: Yes. And I actually love uh, that movie.
1: Uh, Olivia Newton John as you well know and Gene Kelly. And uh and uh when I when I met Gene, he had these amazing blue eyes that passed right through you. You know what I mean And this guy is another living legend out of the 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 movie genre in the 40s and 50s and 60s, all that stuff that he did, all those musicals and all that. And he was just a very kind man, very very nice. And Olivier was a sweet. Olivia Newton John was a sweetheart, and she goes, "I loved you in the Warriors. I just loved you." You were so wonderful in the Warriors. I loved your character and I loved that outfit and that costume.
0: You look so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard of a Living Newton-John impression until now. That was perfect. (laughs) So, I mean, it was quite a compliment coming from her, you
1: know what I mean? And uh, I hung around the set a lot because I was out in California and Mike would have me there all the time and You know, they say one of my fellow warriors here and Gene Kelly loved the movie, and uh, it it was it was a lot of fun. I I mean, I was blessed, Rick, to work with some phenomenal people and be around. But I, you know, actually, you know, I've been in this business now for fifty years. You know, fifty years. If you count back way back in the seventies to now,
0: five, you know, five decades. You know. Yeah, wow. That's
1: I'm no fun. spring chicken. I'm no spring chicken.
0: <laughs> well, you, know, I've had other actors on the show, and they said the best teaching they ever got was actually being on the set, and watching these legends working with them. Instead of going to acting school, instead of going to you know different classes, they said being on the set. What as you mentioned too, you took everything in from Meryl Streep, John Lithgow, all these other people you worked with, and you've worked with so many great people. And not only is it a great way to network, but it's also a great way to just watch them and learn the craft. Absolutely. You know, watch and learn. Keep
1: your mouth shut. and just watch and learn. Yeah. It's watch and learn. You know what I mean? Don't run your mouth. Just watch and learn. Yeah. You know, and, and observe. And you'll pick it up. And watch your directors. Watch what they do. Watch how they handle the DPs and how they handle the, the grips and how they handle actors, do you know what I mean? And you learn so much, do you know what I mean? Watch how they use their cameras. Do you know I mean, watch how they do their shots and why they're doing their shots. You learn, you learn, you learn.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of directors, one of my all-time favorite movies is Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was directed yes. by Nor- Norman Jewison. Yes you let's talk about a soldier story you know I, I i you know i was so
1: blessed to be cast when norman cast me in that i remember going up to meet him shooting you know me mean? and i go oh my god this guy has done you know what i mean this guy's done fiddle on the roof this guy's done all these great movies shooting you know me mean? and now he's going to do a soldier a soldier story and i remember going up to meet him I went, and I was nervous. And I'd done a lot of this. David, what do you have to be nervous Or You've worked with all these great people already. But again, when I meet the giants, I'm always nervous. You know what I mean? I don't care how many people I've worked with. And what a kind, gentle, wonderful, beautiful man. And they had to read it, And I read one scene, and he just smiled at me. And he looked at me, and he got up, and he came over to me, and he gave me a hug. He didn't say anything. He said, he gave me a hug. And I walked out. And uh two days later, my agent called me and said, David, you know, you got the role. No one has hired you. I said, oh wow. And then I said, well, what's the cast? And they started naming Robert Townsend, David Allen Greer, Denzel Washington, I, you know, Howard Rollins. And I had did a play with Howard Rollins down at the public theater. Okay, Howard had just got to New York City, new actor, young actor, and I was still young, and I did a move I played with him called Section D at the public theater. And here I am. I'm gonna I work with Howard and then I get to work with him again in the heat of the night. At a guest shot, I worked with Howard again. We paired off again in the heat of the night. But to do a soldier story was just. Was just an amazing time working with. I mean, you know, of course, we all know Denzel went on went on to be an incredible superstar. Yeah. Reason, and Howard wrongs before he passed away, and Larry Riley, which was a great actor before he passed away. The late great Adolf Caesar, I mean, great great actor before he. Half the cast has passed away. Half yeah. the cast has passed away. But I was blessed and lucky enough to to work with Norman Juleson, to work with this amazing, great, great director. And he was so kind and so, he gave us leadway. He was not a tyrant. He gave us lead way to develop the characters. Uh, you could go and talk to him about, well, I don't feel quite right about this line. How do you want me to, what, what do you think I should, how I should interpretate the line? And he sit with you and work with you. and. Just an amazing, and it, it, the actors didn't have an ego. And it was great working with uh Howard Rollins and Denzel and Robert Townsend and David Allen greer and Adolf Caesar. You know, Adolf. hey, well, boy, try to get out We can't use no you, boy. He had that amazing voice, you know. He was the voice of a, you know, mind is a terrible thing to waste. So, I mean, and this guy was just, you know what I mean? And he, and he wasn't a big man, you yeah. know what I mean? But he had this voice that commanded everything. Yeah, boy. What I tell about that, boy. <laughs> just, just, just amazing, you know what I mean? And Denzel and I shared a trailer. So we got to know each other well. We yeah. shared a trail, a Trail. I, didn't, I had no idea this guy would turn out to be a
0: super mega star. you know what I mean? Yep. But we, I, I loved we, it, you you worked with a lot of these people when they were on the up and coming, like Meryl Streep in 76, 77. Yes, Walker, Litzkerl. John Lithgow. John Lithgow, another one that wasn't wasn't big yet, but nope. they were on their way. So you got a chance to see them before they became superstars.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it was a pleasure. Like Denzel and I shared a trailer together and we talk, we talk about acting, talk about, you know, women and, you know, Hollywood or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, he was a really wonderful, wonderful man, you know? And, uh, and in Baker working with Morgan Freeman, now let me tell you, working with Morgan Freeman, what do you talk about in a brain actor? Brain, 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 brain actor. Working with Morgan, I didn't have a scene with him. With that scene that he did with uh, Redford. Dave Redford and, and Keith David yes. in, in the prison thing, when he goes, "If are, I'm choking him, you're gonna, you know, I want my, I want my freedom. I want my cell painted yellow. I want bars. I want a window." Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know? I like, I like Redford. Give it to him. What, what do you want? Give it to him. Give him, him anything him. he wants. Just give, give it to right, him.
1: Give it to me anything. I can feel his neck cracking.
0: I can feel his neck cracking. <laughs> yeah, that was like, I love when the scene Rod Redford goes, Let me in, what? No, let me in. <laughs> and then yeah. Morgan Freeman's face, what? Yeah, but, I, that, yeah. You, such a great but scene. You, but you know, Rick, that was not my first time working
1: with Morgan. I did a made for TV movie, and we should have got the Emmy called Attica about oh. the Attica State Riots. Okay, yes. okay, Attica State Riots. I play CJ. Okay, I had a great scene with Morgan. Do you know what I mean? And uh, that was my first time working with Morgan Freeman, and I remember Morgan after the scene goes, "Boy, boy, you got it. Keep going, boy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's what he said. Boy, you got
0: it. Keep going, boy. You got it. <laughs> I love all these all these great actors. Just like you're doing well, you're doing great." keep going i mean you always had all these great actors giving you their sale of approval And you know what's funny though i want to go back to this story about with how norman juicin got you from in that role in soldier story it's very similar to walter hill you had no idea you were in the movie they are like all right go ahead <laughs> go to wardrobe and next thing you know like am i in the movie or what <laughs> you got hired <laughs> I love yeah i mean it was, it was it was just
1: amazing i mean it was just amazing i mean uh you know, I, I I I my agent called me to David. You know, you're gonna be working for Norman Joseph. What? Because <laughs> you got the role. No. You know, no. uh, Norman went to see the play. It was called a soldiers a soldiers play, yeah. right? At NAC. and he went to see it. And I guess he figured I'm gonna turn this thing into a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, Paramount, you know, Paramount, and then boom. I mean, I'm top priority, Columbia, Columbia Pictures did it. And uh, I mean, I remember, wow. When I met him in his hotel room with the reader and the producer, and I was like, oh, I get nervous, you know, because I'm meeting these giants. And I, every time I meet a giant, I'm always nervous. I don't care how much stuff I've done. Do you know what I mean? It's just that's just the way my system works. And uh, he, he he's so, so kind. His spirit was so gentle. And, you know, so, and he goes, Are you ready? And I said, Yes, Mr. Jules. So they did the scene and and hugged me, thank you, and uh, walked out. And two days later, my agent called, uh, hey, you're going to be doing a soldier story.
0: (laughs) Love it. You know, I had a chance to meet Norman Jewison because at Chiller, a couple days prior to that, they had um, an anniversary for Jesus Christ Superstars. They had all Ted Neely there and some of the other actors. And when I was talking to Ted, he said, oh, yeah, in New York, we're going to be running the movie at this theater and everybody's going to be there. So I said, all right, I'm going to go and I took the train down there. Norman was there that time. So I got a chance to see him, meet him, talk to him. And he just seems like a very, very, as you mentioned, genuine, nice guy. And this is why I love doing the show. And I got to mention because one of my all time favorite movies, Warriors, I got to interview you and Apache. Jaws, I got to interview Jeffrey Kramer, Evil Dead, Betsy Baker, Phantasm Reggie, I got to interview and Jesus Christ Superstar, I got to interview Ted Neely. So I love doing this show because it's similar to going to Chiller. I get a chance to meet all these people that I grew up watching and finding out what great people they are and how talented they are. So this is so much fun. Yes, I agree.
1: I have. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have a lot of fun mean, you You've got a chance to, you know, interview a lot of wonderful, wonderful, talented people. Yes. You know what I mean, And uh, I know that brings a great smile on your face and great joy to your heart. You know, that, you know, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm into interacting with some amazing people.
0: Yes. Yeah. No, and I love it. So we talked about, um, the, some of the movies you done. I want to go back to TV for a minute because you had a recurring role on NYPD blue. Yes. TV. Office of Donnie Simmons. Yeah. I want to talk about your experience with David Miltz. Uh, Great experience, great yeah.
1: experience,
0: uh, great experience with Stephen Bosco.
1: God rest his soul. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, 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 I did a, I did a, 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 a guest shot on his show. He did a lot of people didn't get it. Something called Cop Rock. I, lo- I actually you know I mean? love that show. Was, I, I mean, I thought fun. it was great. I thought it was great. I mean, a lot of people just didn't get it. You know what exactly. I mean? But I got it. I thought, I thought he was innovative with the show. It was you fun. know, a lot of people say, well, you got to... You know, you got a, a prison scene, and then you got a, a, a courtroom scene, and then, you know, the judge is jumping up, dancing, and the, the, the jury's jumping up, dancing, and see, you know? Get it. but I got it. I thought it was, you know, it didn't run. It didn't really, you know, I, had, I think like half a season or whatever it was, eight shows before the network pulled it. But Stephen Bosco was just an amazing producer. Do you know what I mean? And working with Dennis Franz and Jimmy yeah. Smith and, and David Caruso was just amazing. And Dennis Franz is so funny and so amazing. You know, he goes, when I when I came back from my second and then my third, when he goes, hey, Harris, I go, yeah? He goes, I think these people like you. Is he going to be around for a
2: while? Right. I go, why?
1: I said, I, I hope. I hope they they write this character permanently into this show, which they never did. Yeah. Uh, but I did like I don't know. I did like eleven episodes of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean? And uh, you know, small, small, small lines. Not a lot of lines, but I did an epi- eleven episodes of it. And just being around Dennis and Jimmy Smith and David Caruso when I first got to sh- show david caruso was going to be was leaving it's going to be replaced by jimmy smith you mean? and then you know ricky schroeder came in and you know blah yeah. blah 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 but uh dennis was just <laughs> him and i just hit it right off yeah. just hit it right off
0: yeah that sounds great the reason i brought david milch because i've heard other people talk about him and i want to see if you had a similar experience i heard he would go in there and say no do it like this and Right on the spot, he would come up with dialogue that you would never have a chance to even memorize or know. And he would say, Say this, say this, say this, let's film it.
1: He he certainly did. Okay. And that that happened to me too. And you got to be on your P's and Q's. That's when you know that you, you know, you're an actor. You know, you got to learn this instantaneously. He goes, listen, here it is. Forget those lines. Here it is. This is what I want you to say. You got to digest it. You got to put it in your brain. You got to put it in your emotions. You got to put it in your mouth and you got to, you got to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, boom, you know, you know, you have no time, you know, Hey, you know, he goes, Hey, listen, forget those lines. That's out. This is it. You know what I mean? Here it is. You got seven new lines, you know, get it in your head and do it now and boom.
0: Yeah. And you did it. Yeah, You well, did the- it. Uh, that that takes a lot of talent because not only do you have to memorize the lines, but you have to make them sound believable as they're coming out your mouth. You can memorize something, but it's going to sound stilted and rehearsed. To m- learn those lines in a m- second's notice and make it sound believable takes a lot of talent.
1: That's right. Make it believable, and director's saying, "Hey, look, here it is. You know, yep. uh, lights, camera, roll, boom. You know, yep. Yep. action. Just do it. And you, it's good. Just do it." You know, if you flub it one time, okay, you forgive, you forgive, you forgive it. Okay, second take. Let's do it again. Boom. You better nail it. You <laughs> know, you had your one chance to flub it. You know what I mean? Okay, let's go. Boom. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you shoot an episodic television in six days. That's it. You know what I mean? You know, that's it. You know, you don't have a whole bunch of time yet. You know
0: what I mean? <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not like the movies where they say, hurry up
1: and wait. Yeah, yeah, but episodic television ain't no hurry up and wait. You know what I mean? You know, it's just just do it. You know what I mean? You know, it's a whole different genre.
0: Well, I spoke with an actor that was um, was in two movies with Clint Eastwood, and he said that Clint Eastwood works just like that. He said basically one take, well, let's move on. He very rarely did more than two, three takes. He said, "Look, I like that. That's good." And they said they would film their movies very, his movies very quickly. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, a lot of directors are like that.
1: You and know what I mean? Kubrick. yeah, yeah.
0: Cooper yeah. could do 113 takes on one scene, but I guess everybody has their own style. Uh, yeah, they do.
1: Every director's different, basically. Do you know what I mean? They come to it with their own, you know, perception of what they want, and you just got to do it. You got, you got to work, or, work with them, and work. You know, you got to adjust. You know.
0: What, what was Walter like? Did he do a lot of takes? uh walker would do his share takes
1: yeah i mean like i said we shot four different versions of the warriors yeah. <laughs> you know i mean uh, walton would just say hey look i don't like this we'll do it again you know we'll do it again you yeah. know what i mean but the studio kept liking the dailies and they just kept you know saying go keep going you mm-hmm. know what i mean we had a nine-week shoot schedule i think on nine to uh, eleven weeks i think went five and a half months <laughs> You know? So apparently, this, this, well, as they call the suits at Paramount, like those dailies that were going back every day, looking at the stuff, saying, oh, well, this guy is, you know, Walter was a visionary, you know? It's like a, uh, a great director, Sidney LeMet, who yes. did Network, Network, and so many great movies of New York City, you know, uh Dog day After After the Hood. The Hood. I mean, yeah. you know, I wish I would have been in that picture. You know what I mean? Uh, but I met Sydney, you know, and, uh, uh, I met him on Serpico. He didn't hire me. He gave it to a very good friend of mine. And I understand why he got the role. You know, and I said, you know what? Sydney made the right choice. It was him and I, but the other guy got it. And I understand why Sydney hired him. It's a whole different thing than what I was bringing to the character. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, but Sydney was just, he, he just looked at me and said, David, uh, you're a wonderful, wonderful actor. You know what I mean? And I didn't get the role, but just hearing that from after the audition, hearing him coming up to me and shaking my head and you know, you're a wonderful, wonderful young actor. You know what I mean? And and I went back, I remember leaving and and, and going over to my agent, so I would say, you know, he said, you know, David, you're a wonderful, wonderful actor. But then we waited three or four, you don't hear anything after a week. You know, you didn't get the role. And uh my friend got it. And I said, you know, when I when I saw the final film, I go, I know exactly why he gave that role to him. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you have to be honest as an actor to yourself. You know what I mean? You can't get everything. You're not right for everything. Yeah. You're not gonna get every role you go up for. You know what I mean? Until yeah. you get to be a, you know, an Al Pacino or Denzel or Morgan Freeman or somebody where you choose what you want to do. Mm-hmm. The studios are kissing your feet to take this role. Yeah, You know, they're begging you and kissing your feet and throwing all kinds of money at you to to do this role, to be in this movie. You know what I mean? Where it ain't, it's not about auditioning anymore. Nothing. They just send you a script and go, will your client please do this? We're willing to give them, you know, $20 million. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but, that, but, you know, I wasn't nowhere near that. You know what I mean? But uh but just hearing it from Sydney, whom I totally respect. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, one of my favorite movies is Network, you know. I mean, you must have told me. <laughs> you, know, you are mean, you are me. it's all about rubies and
0: dollars. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's it? we lost him? Uh the actor. I can't remember his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah,
1: we lost him like two years ago, but he was brilliant. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the guy who played uh, the lead role was Praying. You know, what's uh, God. the name? guy? William Holden? Kid- uh, no, not William Holden. The guy who played the
0: oh. news guy. Oh, who, I can't remember his uh, name. Because I know you William Holden, part- Mia Farrow. Uh, not Mia yeah, Farrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the other one. Uh, what's the um, name?
1: Uh, oh, God. Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. He, he played Faye Dunaway's wannabe. She was in love with him, but she wasn't in love with him. Yeah. But I he was that. the guy who put the... You must go out. I want you to go out and tell the people and remember all that whole scene. Rebel, yeah. tell them. you know, what's this? Oh my god, what's his name? I'm, I'm, gonna, pretty, pretty I'm an actor. You but you know what I'm talking about.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm sure after I hit pause, I'm gonna remember exactly who it was. But yeah, I love that movie. I love most actually, I think every movie Sydney's done that I've seen. The ones we mentioned, Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico Network. There's so many others that I've seen. That, yeah, he's, that he's just a done, brilliant
1: director. brilliant, brilliant director, and it was an honor to meet him. And I, I had so much wanted to work for him, but I understand why my friend got the role, yep. and I was very happy for him. And I told him, I said, listen, you know, you're gonna be brilliant, and he was very good at it. You know what I mean? Uh, as I said, you can't get every role. You know what I mean? Uh, there are roles that an actor is not just right for. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's is, is, is certain things that a director may see in one actor, may not see in another actor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's just part of the way it is. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's well, part no, of the way it is.
0: That is the way it is. Now, I have a question for you on that same topic. I, I I love your attitude saying you can't get every role. Has there ever been a role that you turned down that became a mega hit?
1: You know, I wish to God there was something like that, but no, no, I've never turned down a role that I thought that would be, Okay. you know, no, I, uh, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm an actor. I just, I love to work. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to take a role that would belittle me and make me look like a, an idiot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or that I thought it was just so bad or just, I, I can't say these lines. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't play this character. I would just rather say, tell my agent, I can't do this. You know, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? And there were roles like that that I told my agent, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but look, they're offering. I'm, I don't care. Money's not everything. I have my self-respect. I have to be honest to myself, my 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 spirit, my soul, uh, uh, my my daughter, my, my children. I have to, you know what I mean? Wait a minute. Money's not everything. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. care. I just can't say these lines. I cannot do this character. And I won't. I won't. I'm not going to sell my soul. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sell my soul because, well, I'll get X amount of dollars and blah, blah, blah. No, I won't do that. I won't. Yeah, I like that.
0: that. I like that. So you have respect and you do what's right for you. There's one actor in particular. I was I read a biography on him not too long ago, Steve McQueen brilliant actor. I love the movies he's done, but he turned down so many roles, and one role in particular he turned down was Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, because he didn't like the fact he was supposed to play a Sundance Kid. He wanted a Sundance Kid to have top billing, and he says, well, I refuse to do a movie, and they gave it to Robert Redford, which worked out very well for him. Yes. So you see well, some actors like that, where they just, because of ego, they they refuse to do the role, and I, I don't know. Maybe he...
1: Yeah. There there are a lot of actors that have done what you just said. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like if I don't if I don't get top billing, or if I don't, I don't want to play, or well, I'd rather play that role. I don't want to play that role. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And or otherwise if I don't play that role, then I'm not doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I mean that becomes ego and that becomes a whole other different ball game. Uh you know, I mean, I found myself myself in a situation where I just said I can't do that because it's not morally right for me you know what I mean i can't play that kind of a character i can't say those lines and let somebody else go do it you know what i mean yeah. there are a yeah. million yeah. other actors that'll do it in a heartbeat you know what i mean
0: yeah. you know
1: like i can't do it i'm not going to sell myself
0: you know no i think one of my favorite stories is michael kane he is so comfortable in his career now as he's done it for so long he basically said he goes and I'll give you an example. One of the movies he talked about was Jaws 4, which is probably one of the worst movies of all time. Oh, the shark awesome. takes revenge and follows them to the Bahamas. But he goes four months in the Bahamas. I get paid for it. I'm going to do this movie. I don't really care what it's about. And I, I mean, but he's done. He has such an eclectic career and such a great career over the years that he can say that now. It's like you know what? It's four months in the Bahamas. Yeah, let's film it. Who cares? Hey, you know what?
1: Listen, Rick. Uh, right now. I, like I said, I've been in the business for 50 years. If some studio came up to me and said, listen, David, we got this role. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, a role that would disgrace you or anything like that. Or, but you know, listen, it's not a great role. It's not even a very good role, Yeah. but we're, we're going to give you, you know, four months down in Bahamas or Bermuda or. Tahiti somewhere where Brando shot, you know, mutiny on, mutiny on the bounty, you know, and you you can be down in, uh, you know, uh, uh, a place like that for five or six months and, and you're only going to have to work one or two days a week. And you think I'd be stupid enough to turn that down? No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'll, I'll go, you know what? You're going to give me all this money. I'm going down to Tahiti for six months to lay in the sun. And sail on my sailboat. Morgan Freeman is a big sailor. And I, I could sail my sailboat and do that for six months in Tahiti. And I work maybe one, maybe two days a week.
0: Where do I sign up? Months.
1: Where do I sign up? You know what I mean? T- where do I sign up? I'll <gasps> do it in a heartbeat, Rick. I, I I'll do it. it in a heartbeat. Just like Michael Kane. Yeah, I'll I, do it in a heartbeat. I a, I have no problem with that. Like is, yeah, is, is, that's it's a, a fan- paid vacation. You know what I mean? With all the perks, and believe me, I'm going down to Tahiti. Okay, exactly. <laughs> you know? you'd be a damn fool to turn something like that down.
0: No, exactly. You know? Well, you you mentioned you've been in the business for so long, and the performing arts has always been your passion. Have you ever done anything else? No, nope. wow. no. Nope. You know, I remember in the beginning of
1: my career, you know, when I was what they call so-called starving actor. Yeah, you know. What I mean? <laughs> you know? uh you know I, I i worked the bar scene as a bar a young bartender i even get this i even drove a new york city taxi cab wow you know i was 19 years old you hear what i mean you know and i drove a new york city taxi cab you know
2: Yeah,
1: it was interesting because remember the movie taxi we're talking about taxi With robert roe and uh, Jody, foster. Oh, Jody foster and uh, Sh- civil shepherd Civil shepherd and uh uh what's the the bad guy uh that was the pimp? Uh oh, oh you know I'm talking about who was the pimp. I can't remember now I, mean, I know Jody Foster was a prostitute, I can't remember. She was a, she was a 13-year-old prostitute, remember? Yeah, yeah. And the, the pimp was pimping her. You know he, you yeah. he couldn't forget Robert De Niro. He was just so brain in the movie, you know. You talking to me? Yeah. I
0: don't see nobody else here. You talking to me?
2: Yeah.
0: I don't see nobody else here. Which you, th- I- you talking to me. <laughs> speaking of lines that were improvised from what i remember or read i think that line was improvised too it is... was improvised it was
1: you know, i got it from the horse's mouth yep. you know that whole thing with him in the mirror you talking to me i don't see nobody else yet you must be talking know. to me i'm the only <laughs> one here <laughs> you know i remember uh, I, I you know i mean it was classic and he was brilliant he was brilliant in the role you know what i mean uh how do we get on that subject with Robert De Niro?
0: We were talking about uh taxi driver. Oh and yeah, I was driving a cab. Yes, that's what I it was. Re- I was, I re- I
1: remembered the whole look of the city, that look in that movie, driving a cab was exactly what I went through. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember, I remember when he talked about, and when I finished my ship, I, I remember w- watching all the come off the back of the seats and all this shit, you know what I mean? Because you know what, Rick? I had to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, people sometimes. getting my uh two times around Central Park, and keep your mouth shut, and, and just shut the meter off. And guys in the backseat with prostitutes and, you know, uh, whatever, doing their thing, two times around the park, and I get a $20 tip. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But do you, uh, he was at the Warriors' um, 35th anniversary. His name is John Joseph. Do you know who he is? He was the lead singer of the Crow mags He's been Iron Ironman athlete. Oh, yeah, yeah, a- I know he's yeah. yeah. I went on a walking tour with him recently, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And he, just like you, just like Apache – he loves that era of the 70s. And we had a chance to walk, and he was telling us story after story after story of all the different areas. And a lot of things that you mentioned, he was talking about too. It's just a different time. And he's so nostalgic for that time. And yeah, you know, it's definitely not the Disneyland that it, it was not the Disneyland that it is now. No, 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 not it is. You know, where I
1: grew up, man, I grew up in Alphabet's alphabet city i don't know what that means okay that's the low east side avenue a b c and d yeah i grew up from d right on in the projects on the fdr drive It's avenue a b c and d alphabet city that's why that's why i was born and raised didn't you know, even grew up you know what I mean? and low east side back there i remember i mean you know we have a classic restaurant down on half street called cats but you got some of the best pastrami sandwiches in the world, you don't know, if you've ever been to Katz, It's a landmark. Uh, but Mulberry Street, Halston Street, all those places, man, it just yep. brings back memories. I mean, I'll get on my bicycle and ride down there and just go sit and hang out and look at, man, I, here's where I was a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's where I was a kid, and it just brings back so many memories, man. You know, I, I look at the old public school I went to do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and all of that. And it's just that to be able to do that, cause so many people don't ever go back to their past. Do you know what I mean? Don't ever go back to where, where they were like four years old, five years old, six years old. They never go back to that do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, you know, I live in, I live in Manhattan, New York. And I, it's me to get on my bicycle and it's a ride back down to the D it's nothing, you know? It's, it's a 20 minute, 25 minute ride on my bicycle. You know, to go back down to Halston Street and Mulberry Street, to go back to Little Italy and go back to Chinatown and go back to all of that. You know what I mean? Hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? To see stuff. So many people move away and they never go back. They never go back. Yep. I don't know if you've ever been back to where, where you were when you were four years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you've ever been back you
0: know no I, I i lived in connecticut and i lived maybe a half hour away from where i grew up so i every once in a while i drive down that area because it's a road that my grandfather built he built all the houses he built a pond he built a little baseball field so when i grew up i love that area it's, it's an area called Woolkate, connecticut it's, not, it's about if you know Hartford, it's about maybe 25 minutes away from there but sure. uh, every once in a while i'll drive by there and it's just sort of probably what you see in new york it's same thing with me. It's like not the same. It's all built up. There's all the houses where I used to go camping. There's roads in the middle of the woods where we used to, my brothers and I used to ride our bikes. So yeah, it's, it's I go back there, but it's just not the same, unfortunately. But I have so many fond memories of my youth growing up too. So I'm glad that, and this is what I was going to mention. I'm glad that I live in Connecticut because Connecticut is so small. I can go to New York, Boston, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, all Within, you know, like sometimes I could do it like four times in one week. I can go to each place because I'm so close to everything. Absolutely. I, I, I totally
1: agree. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. You, you know, it's, it's a tri-state. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, you even can pop over to New Jersey, and go down to the yeah. New Jersey Shore. You know what I mean? And, I mean, Atlantic City. I mean, you know, everything's all close together, man, within a couple of hours driving. You know what I mean? Yep. No big deal. You can drive from – I can drive from Manhattan up to Boston in three hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go see the Boston Red Sox play my Yankees. You know what I mean? yeah, so <laughs>
0: well, That's what I love. In next, next Wednesday at this time, I'm going to be at Fenway Park watching Paul McCartney. Takes two a two-and-a-half-hour drive. So I, I love when people say, oh, Connecticut must be so boring. For me, I love the outdoors. I love the, uh, the woods and hiking and things like that. So this kind of area is perfect for me. But when people say, oh, there's nothing to do, it's like – there's oh, that's cool. to
1: do it. That's BS. Man, exactly. You got, the, you got the Yale School of Drama there. Give me a break. You know oh yeah.
0: What I mean?
1: <laughs> you got I, one of I, the most prestigious, best acting schools in the world there.
0: You yeah. know? Well, I mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned that because not too long ago I went to go see a play in New Haven, and I go to Milford. So yeah, there's, there's. If you want, if you want the arts, you want culture. There's more than enough. And if you don't think there's any Connecticut, which there's plenty. Like I just mentioned several weeks ago, I saw American Buffalo in New York. Take the train down. It's not that expensive. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to do. People just, I think, get lazy, but getting back to you though, because we mentioned you have had such an illustrious career. You've done this for so long. So in 2013, you received a lifetime achievement award.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Congratulations. Uh,
1: thank you very much. You know, I was very, very, very humbled and very blessed and very happy to get that award. That's what I mean. And honored. And, and uh, it's, it's 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 very dear to me. And uh, uh, people that know me, people that have worked with me or were saying, congratulations, David, uh, you know, you're, you're so deserving of that. And uh, it's very special to my heart. And uh, I'm still around, I'm still, you know, working as an actor, you know, and uh, I'm still here, you know, I'll do it, you know, hopefully until like, I'm like, you know, 103, and, uh, you know, I can't remember lines anymore, and I can't walk around, or whatever. <laughs>
0: you know? Well, even then, just do what Marlon Brando used to do. He, I, from what I heard, he used to put lines on the wall, on people, other yep. people. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you just put it everywhere. Put it on your hand, you know, looking, totally looking down, the, the lines are right on your palm on your hands. <laughs> you put <laughs> it, it looks on like the forehead default. of your actress. Yeah. You know when they're doing the close-up on you, you just put it on the forehead. That's what Brando did on the, the fellow actor. and You read it on, you know, and there it is. You know, I mean, one of my favorite, favorite actors. I mean, I live very, very close to. I mean, every time I walk past it, just I go, wow. I'm walking on the street where giants walked on the actor studio,
2: mm-hmm. in
1: midtown, Act. I mean, you don't know many great actors who have went there, and I've come Lee Strasberg. The great Lee Strasberg. Yes. I mean, the great actors. Marlon Brando went there. I mean, I, I you can go Shelley you can go on and on of actors that came out in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, 60s that came out of the actor studio.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That came out of that place. Do you know what I mean? It is not what it was before anymore. It's it's just it's just time changes, you know what I mean. Uh, it, it, it's just not what it was. You know what I mean? In uh, it's heyday in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s where the amount of talent that came out of there and I walked down the streets of 44th Street and, and I go, you know, I'm walking on the same street that Brandon walked up and down on. You know, I'm walking, on, you know, Jimmy, James Dean. You know what I mean? I'm walking on a street where, you know, that. I mean, these phenomenal talent walk up and down on these same street. The same street. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Walk, and I go in the actor's studio. I go and I sit, and I go, "I'm sitting right in Brandon's seat." You know, where he sat. you know what I mean? I mean, hey, come on. You know what I mean? You know, I'm very blessed, and I'm very lucky. Yes. You, mean, you know, you uh, know, to to have that. You know what I mean? To Oh, wow. And to appreciate that and to respect that, Rich, to appreciate it and to respect that and to honor that.
0: That uh, to me is probably the most important thing that you actually appreciate everything, all the success you've had, you respect it. And so sometimes you get these people that when they had the success that you've had, they get the chip on their shoulder, the attitude. I love the fact that you're so humble, you're so nice, and you appreciate everything, all the good things that have come your way. And you've earned everything that you've gotten. You've, I mean, all the accolades you've gotten, all the great um compliments you've gotten from all these legends saying, you did a great job. You're awesome. So I mean it's all the hard work is paid off for you. You've done it for so long and you're I can picture another 50 years of you doing this. Thank love- you.
1: Thank you, Rick. That that means a lot and I super, super appreciate that. Thank you so very much.
0: Uh, You're very welcome. Before we go, I want to talk about one more thing, because um, something you're doing with my former guest and now friend, Apache Ramos, it's called The Zoo Crew 2. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Michael uh,
1: Demarest is doing something. It's a true story about his life story as a a young actor. And he gets involved with this gang, and he turns away from acting acting into the street gang thing. It's a true story. And uh, he wrote the script and he he was he's a big fan of the Warriors. And he asked us to kind of kind of co-produce it and 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 talk about it. And Apache's involved with it. I'm involved with it. Michael Beck's involved with it. Uh, but most of the guys from you the know, Warriors have been supportive of uh, Michael in this project. And now he's uh, did, has done the whole script and he's now trying to uh, uh, do the pilot uh, and uh, sell it to whatever studio would buy it. You know what I mean? Uh, he's just trying to get the get the money for the pilot to be shot. Do you know what I mean? He's, he, he, the script's already done. So right now it's just trying to raise the money to shoot the pilot and then try to sell the pilot to whatever network or, you know, all these, uh, uh, cable networks and all these, you know, all this stuff on cable and blah, blah, blah. So he's a wonderful man. It's a true story. It's, it's his story.
0: Wow. I didn't realize it was a true story. That's interesting. Yeah. Is he using Kickstarter to get people, like, can people, um, donate money to see this movie made? Yeah. He's got a, a, a uh, different
1: venues that he's going through to raise the funds okay to raise the amount of money he needs to shoot the pilot and the pilot will be shot here in new york okay oh, I mean story takes place here in new york so he's still uh working on that now it's basically about getting the funds to shoot the pilot and then from there he'll try to sell a pilot to whoever will pick it up
0: very good i'm looking forward to seeing that so, David, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. You have so many great stories. You're such a talented actor. I cannot wait to see what's next. But before we go, I want to talk sure. about what's next and where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on, uh, I have a,
1: a virtual uh, Zoom room, which I think I sent you, that, you where people, people around the world can uh, meet me. On the virtual in my virtual room, and can have one on one one on one chats with uh, David Coches Harris. They can uh, uh, friends can have do uh, uh, make an appointment for like say a, uh, a girlfriend wants to, her boyfriend's a big fan of the Warriors. Okay, I got you this thing where you're going to be able to meet David Harris and talk with David Harris. And he'll wish you happy birthday and and blah 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 all of that sort of stuff and people around the world that cannot come to the U S or people here in this country, if they live in a different state, they can't get to New York. They can meet me in a virtual reality room. It's like zoom. Like we're doing right now. I do you know me. what I mean They'll be able to talk to me, see me, blah, blah, blah. Have a conversation with me. If there's a birthday, I can say wish them happy birthday or happy Bob Missfer or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they can do, they can go there, They can reach me on uh, uh, my Facebook page. Uh, They can reach me on IMDB, uh, you know, uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, So that's how they can reach me, you
0: know? All right, well. I look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully I'm going to, you'll be at another convention. If not, I will definitely do the virtual room and say hi to you back then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we would, we're going to have uh hopefully we'll be at chill. Oh, you
0: good. Know?
1: I will be, yeah. there, right? I go October. every April and go every October. Right. I think. Well, you probably saw uh, Apache and DD Dee Dee Bonnie who plays one of Lizzie's. They I were did. there in April. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think there'll be five warriors should be there in October.
0: Oh, good. And you're going to be you're one
1: right. of them. Yes. Yes. So hopefully you'll come there and we can break bread, have a glass, you know, a glass of wine or something and break some me. Bread. You know what I mean? And uh, laugh and have a good time. You know what I mean? I look forward to it. I will be there and get the wine ready. So I'll be thirsty. Uh, you got it. Same here, buddy. But listen, it was great talking to you tonight and uh, a big hello and big shout out to all my fans there on your podcast and look forward to meeting all you guys and, Come into my virtual room and meet David Cochise Harris. As
0: I would say, magic. Whole lot of magic. All right. That it is. That wraps up the latest episode of The Clause Corner. A huge thanks goes out to actor and producer David D. Harris. I would also like to thank John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing this show and making it available each and every week. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. From the frenetic mind of author Rich Sear. Five terrifying short stories now available in one collection. Of a frenetic mind. Five tales of blood-curdling terror. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. All of a sudden, I hear. (laughs) What's the
1: diaphragm again?
0: supposed to be weird oh yeah no if you say so i've always wanted to be in a movie